Hello and welcome to episode 227 of the Ram Nintendo Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Angel. <laughs> Whoa. I'm Kevin. Whoa, Angel, you are chipper today. Dude, it's been an awesome day. Woke up early, got like an hour of Ring Fit Adventure. Basically just the music tracks today, which essentially means... It's your favorite mode workouts. now, isn't it? Well, yeah, I just treated it as arm day, but yeah, so good mood. Good, glad to hear. And how are you doing, Kevin? I'm doing the opposite of Angel. Oh, I'm just... I woke up way too late. I ate like a pig. Uh, so <laughs> I'm a six slices like of a good life too, in, so I kind of feel what you're saying. Um, but anyway, this episode we're calling fresh out the oven. Um, we're not unless you guys want to. I wasn't planning to join the whole quarantine bread breaking trend. But uh, we are using a title that kind of makes sense for that. Elvis Although I'm baking cookies now. Wait, you're baking cookies? No, Elvis. Oh, well, actually, you know, if we're talking about baking things now, I've, I've just undone what I just said. Um, My favorite anime is the baking anime. That yeah, I was about to say, and like I, out. I enjoy a rustic sourdough personally. I don't and know one of my other favorite animes right now that's currently airing is all about cooking. So, well, that's perfect because. Um, this episode is in large part about cooking, just not baking, because we are going to have impressions of the elusive Cooking Mama Cookstar later in the show. My uh, copy I bought on there last episode arrived, and uh, and I quote, "The best forty dollars I've ever spent in my life, hands down." Correct. No, it's um, it's very much like it is like fresh out the oven, but that doesn't mean it isn't half baked. <laughs> no, but seriously, it's not great. Uh, so, so we're going to talk about that. And the, um, this, this episode also has kind of a second meaning because Nintendo like was very busy this week. Out of nowhere, they released update after update for some big switch games, Mario maker two, animal crossing, Splatoon. So we're going to be discussing those as well as some theories as to why this week in particular was such a busy one. With Nintendo just constantly turning things around and uh, hint it may, it may involve switch sales. Uh, plus, we've got impressions of other stuff like the new portable Switch dock by uh, Genkai that uh, you have, Angel, and a Sorry, game Jason, called... but it's actually Genki. Genki, you're right. I should know that. They have given me things There is before. no A in there. You're right. I keep doing that. I keep thinking it has an A. But anyway, there's that, and there's also a game called <clears throat> it's okay, cool, Ding Jima. Dong XL. Wait, what did you say? Not just the way you used to say Kojima. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, listen, I'm American through and through, so I mispronounced this. How would you say it before? How did I say it before? I don't even remember. Kojima. Kojima? Was it Kojima? Yeah. Yeah. Let's let that yeah. marinate for a minute there that I don't know how to say Kojima correctly or didn't. Um, but yeah, we got timestamps on the blog post under the YouTube video, you know, surroundtown.com or on our YouTube channel. Uh, so if you really just want – if you really can't wait till hearing what Ding Dong XL is all about, you can jump right to it. Otherwise, uh, there's a lot. So I guess we could just start off with the stuff that – really was fresh out of the oven which is the announced and then released within like 24 hour period of all sorts of updates and i think the most unexpected one of the bunch was the 3.0 and apparently final update for super mario maker 2 which adds a little it's the final one they said yeah and it adds a lot of content uh we're talking new power-ups like the frog suit and the power balloon new masks that let you disguise yourself as things like a goomba new enemies like a mecha koopa that shoots lasers uh the super acorn from mario u all seven koopalings and significantly most significantly the full-on world builder and as any regular listener show may recall i've been Desperately wanting this exact thing since Mario Maker 2 is first announced. Like, it's just always felt like... Here that, but oh, is sure. it? Is it? You know, I can cite you a number of episodes that I'll have to look up Please and confirm. Do. Okay, I will get you a Not list. Right now, like, but... I'll, I'll get you, like, a bibliography after this episode. But, um, 
yeah, it's just like it always felt like such a no brainer. And time and time again, update and update again, they just it just didn't show up. And then out of nowhere, it was like, oh yeah, it's out tomorrow. So that's cool. Um, and I guess as the sole Mario Maker Two owner among us, I think like Kevin, you don't have it, do you? Uh, no, I do. Okay, so I guess as the the one guy who does, uh, I can tell you there is an awful lot to like about the new world builder uh, in terms of like creating worlds. I haven't toyed with it too much because my uh, my patience skills, shall we? What? Your patience isn't enough. No, it's not my patience. It's my uh, my skill set is uh, my skills do not reside in the creative space, shall we say? Um, Arguably, they don't necessarily reside in the playing space either. To explore that, though, <laughs> I mean, I doubt Miyamoto was like a brilliant level designer from the get go. You got to start somewhere. Are you are you saying I'm? Are you comparing me to Miyamoto? I'm so honored. I'm saying that I mean, if you really like put the time into it, especially with Mario Maker, which I feel it's like the best place to, you know, like get a few stinkers out there, and then probably towards the end, you Jason can probably make the next greatest Mario Maker two level. Maybe. Be like, Whoa, who made this? It's like, oh, some dude of that. And then you'll be like, JSR, no, not him. He doesn't know video exactly. games. Maybe. But right now, all I've done is experienced other worlds created by other people. Um, and in that, I can already see like some of the cool customization things you can do with the tools. Because there are, there's eight different worlds and uh, world types to choose from. You have full control over laying out the level points and the pass between them and the terrain itself and little like superfluous decorations. Um, they brought in old bonus game houses, which are a mix of some of the classic ones, like you know Mario Three with the Match Three. And there's some new kind of neat ones that are a little weird. There's a Mario Party style one where you like pump up a balloon and then explodes by you know rapidly hitting A. There's even a baseball one where you try and catch different pitches by timing your A button presses. And Angel, I hate to break it to you, this might be the closest we get to Mario Slugger's sequel for the foreseeable future, because that's well, like the, it's the only thing Nintendo's done with baseball and Mario in like eight years. Who made so. the last? Who made Sluggers? Was it Camelot? Was it was uh, no, it was Namco. Namco Bandai. Really? Camelot did golf and tennis, and then the others were farmed out. Yeah. So Square Enix did basketball because that makes sense, and um, Namco did uh, Sluggers. Oh, yeah. Baseball. And then Next Level Games did Strikers. Mm. But yeah, so there's now that new um, mini game, and actually that's where Skinny Mario pops up now. Remember Skinny Mario from the first Mario Mario Maker, and I was really sad that he was missing in the second one? Well, he's back, and he does a weird little wave when you miss the ball three times. It's really strange. Anyway, so that in and of itself is pretty cool, and it provides basically the glue of turning someone's one-off levels into like something more, into like an actual world. And then um, Nintendo made the actual pretty sad move of letting you um, go back and access levels you've already played. So you have a list of all the levels you've experienced, and you can actually make progress in, a, or of all the worlds you experience, and you can make progress in them, and then leave, and then come back. It's just like they're they're these little self-contained games that you can pick up at your save point. So that's kind of cool. But there is one arguably big flaw in this whole setup. Like it's really cool to build. It's really cool to go back to the ones you are playing. But how do you find them? The sharing and discoverability. It's just I don't know what they are thinking or not thinking. Because like once you make these cool worlds and you have these full-fledged Mario like quote-unquote games the way to get them out to people is kind of lacking because as anyone who has played either Mario Maker 1 or 2 knows they have this pretty elaborate system for finding individual courses right because they have leaderboards of creators and of courses you can see it's popular you can uh, like and comment on each level as a creator you can have a whole host of uh, yeah you can put little like Miiverse style comments I think it was always there you can do stamps as well with like pre-written things um, and those comments oh. can pop up in the level too. 
But so you can like oh, and comment. Oh, no, I on. thought you meant like you could review the level after the fact. Yeah, you, you could leave a comment when you're done. That will only show up once the level's beaten. But no, you can't leave a, a review with like stars or anything. No. But um, all those things that they have, you know, and you can upload a whole bunch of levels to your profile and have people do all these things with all those levels. World Maker has none of that. It is nothing like that. Like, first off, you can only have a single world on your profile at a time. And the only way for people to find your world is if they specifically seek out your profile. So, like, the way the World Maker section is set up, um, it, it isn't a thing you can really browse. It's a little galaxy, which looks kind of cool in the sense of it has, like, little planets and, like, an orbit, and you can kind of rotate between them, and there's, like, eight of them maybe or ten. But those seem to be, as far as I can tell, completely shuffled in at random. And if you hit the X plus button, it will rotate in a different set of worlds. But these worlds don't seem to be chosen by any, like, rhyme or reason from I can tell. Like, there's accounts of the total likes people have given to the levels in the world, but it doesn't seem like Nintendo ranks those in any real way. There's no leaderboard of top worlds, the closest, again, being people's profiles. So if you either browse the top creator uh, – so you can basically either browse, like, the top creator leaderboard and hope that maybe someone put together a whiz-bang world and they happen to be a top creator anyway – or you can input a creator ID's individual number and go to their profile and access the world that way. But there's no way to like find people who maybe made really good worlds specifically or browse the best worlds. And it seems like just a huge missed opportunity to me to not highlight the worlds themselves in a better way. It kind of brings me back to like the other feature I've wanted time again, time and time again that they still haven't done, which is Switch Online app support. I get the original game, and I know I've said this on the show before. I'll get you a bibliography, Angel. Don't worry. But the original game could have a website to browse courses and remotely enter ID numbers. Why can't Mario Maker 2, especially in light of worlds, which are even harder to find good ones of? Like, it just seems like such a weird, like, they're, they're ending the support here without ever building that. It just seems really weird. And that's kind of the other flaw with worlds is um, if you can't find the good ones, there's really no way to ever know which ones are good ones because people like worlds are different than levels in my opinion from what i've gathered where people simply like you can make an interesting level you can like one of the awesome things about mario maker is that you can defy you know expectations of mario games you can do auto running levels you can do gimmick levels you can do these impossibly hard levels like that one that went viral in the tweet last year with all the fire uh ball stick things uh and they're all great and they have really original ideas and they're fun in that one burst but i honestly believe like what moves those levels up the level chart is the sheer fact that they try these things and stand out as these like one-offs that perhaps zig where you expect a mario level to zag and they do it very effectively and that's why people reward it so in turn if you can only like levels that means that the creator's chart is just a list of people who employ those approaches well because you know if you're only ranking individual levels it's those levels not the worlds the creators are stringing together that are ranking creators so how a creator does in making a world doesn't matter it's just that they make those cool one-off levels. And if you think about what makes a good one-off level, a string of them does not, at least in my opinion, necessarily make a good world. Like personally, when it comes to worlds, I want something that has like steady progression as you go through. You know, introduces you know, and toys with new weird ideas. What? The theming also. With yeah, the theming. The, the theming goes a long way. Exactly, and like the, I mean, you can argue well, ten auto runners. That's a theme, right? But eh, not no. I mean, I mean sure. I guess if you're like in a snow world and they're all snow themed, but yeah, and they're all snow auto runners, yeah, yeah. But for the most part, like 
a lot of the worlds I came across, which again are hard to come across unless you do that random shuffle feature, um, this felt like compilations of one-off weird ideas. Some work, some don't. You don't really know if all the ideas are good. There's no like, you know, you play a level and you're like, eh, maybe the world gets better, I'll give it one more. But like you can't, there's not really any like barometer to measure this with. And it makes it, it makes it not feel much different than those existing endless challenges where you're just shuffling from course to course to course at random. And it doesn't really help that already the worlds are a little uh, in, limited in that you can't carry over your power-ups from level to level. It's still isolated in that sense. So yeah, you could build a world and have a theme and do all this cool stuff, but you don't actually have the natural progression of you had the cape in the last level, you have it in the next one, which isn't that bad normally. But when it's these kind of like just slap-together compilations, it kind of sticks out. It's like, oh yeah, this really isn't a world. This isn't a game. It's just a guy who like made five levels. I was like, what if I put him on an island and then did? So, so like without the discoverability that even courses have, without the ability to browse people or enter creator IDs to like an app or browse people by their worlds, not by their courses, it's actually kind of hard to find good worlds, like the ones that actually feel like self-contained games. And that's a bummer because there are some amazing worlds out there. And that's the thing I realized is like this update is really cool because there are really cool worlds. It's just impossible to find them. Like case in point. I came across a world I like so much I actually tweeted about right before we recorded this. Um, random guy uh-huh. named Phil32. I don't know who he is, but he made a 32-level world, uh, eight different lands, each with four courses, and he's talented. Like, the levels feel pretty much Nintendo caliber. Like, it has the progression. It feels like a true Mario game. He introduces some clever new ideas. Um, he does this really cool thing with Wigglers about halfway through where you're kind of using Wigglers um, as trampolines to get across a level. Um, and it progresses in a really natural way. And like I said, it feels like a Mario game. He even does stuff like they don't have the red coins in Mario Maker, but he made every level have three hidden higher value coins for people who want to do the extra challenges. And it's really cool. And if anyone wants to check it out, uh, the level code is on my Twitter, JSR7, but I'll just say it real quick for anyone listening. 4XWVB1VXG. And I guarantee you, there are a bunch of other people out there making really cool worlds like that. And there's probably more to come as more and more people mess with Mario Maker over the next few weeks and months. But again, like, how do you find them? Because, I mean, not everyone's going to be on a podcast rambling off 12-digit alphanumeric codes for you. Like, it's not a thing. And there's going to be some ways. Like, I sure – like, one thing I'm excited to see is if indie developers do – um kind of like indie Mario games or like, you know, someone like Yacht Club Games or WayForward or maybe the Super Meat Boy guys like make a mini Mario game with their take on what Mario would be. And that obviously has when, some signal boosting when, attached. When Game and Wario came out, did yeah. Nintendo reach out to all those indie people that made a bunch of games? Like I remember Ed McMillan made a Mario Maker level. And I also remember like yes. the trip people made a Mario Maker level. I believe and the Ding Dong XL guy coincidentally made a mario level yeah they uh they did a thing and they put them on twitter on nintendo's twitter but again it's weird because like they have them on the twitter and you could see the jpeg with the code in it but there was no way to take that tweet copy that code and paste it into the game unless you happen to be at your switch and you can manually input it which is just like such a it's so weird because the original game did that that they overlooked it but you know without nintendo signal boosting you without having your own following just being a guy that makes a really cool world how do you get it out there like, how would Phil32 get it out there if it didn't shuffle into my galaxy randomly or into someone who actually has an audience that's big enough to do anything? You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's how does that spread? I, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. But I'll, I'll go off my soapbox now. Um, I just wish that they, 
I just wish they thought this through a little bit more because everything else about the update is really awesome. Like, one thing I haven't even touched on is the Mario Bros. 2 Mushroom, the Super Mario 2 Mushroom, which is a huge game changer in the same way that the Zelda update was in December. Like, entirely new mechanic of riding enemies. You can carry them. You can dig into the ground. Like, it really does shake up what type of levels you can come up with, and it brings all sorts of little fun window dressings, like the music and the sound effects from Mario 2 and Easter eggs galore, and... You know, it's a game that already has so many fun, silly effects that's just cool that they can keep piling on. And never mind the fact that, like, the sheer number of modes now on tap is actually, like, really massive. Because you've got the full creator tool, the course world, a story mode, those curated ninja speed runs every, what, three weeks, I think they rotate them. Um, entire worlds now being compiled. Like, the sheer variety of level types, the built-in community of commenters, the fact that you can literally see where people die in a level and knows by their players with tips like mario maker overall in my opinion really is at a point where it feels like nintendo they're kind of throwing money away i feel like they have enough content there that the last couple updates they could have done is like somewhat cheap dlc it's awesome that they didn't it's awesome that it's free but they could have gotten away with it like it's that much now and i don't know it just seems like the world thing it's a little held back but overall it's still a really good package if you're willing to overlook that and i feel like if you're thinking of jumping in now it's absolutely the right time to do it because, like, there's so much there, and there's already a whole community and all sorts of different courses to try. And I sure, I'm sure people will adapt to the world's weird structure in due time. But yeah, it's a really solid game that I feel like kind of flew under the radar on Switch, even though it was such a big deal on Wii U. And I don't know, like, are either of you guys even thinking of buying it? Have you ever considered buying it? Mm, I guess no, and no. Like, if <laughs> if this stuff was available from the very beginning. I definitely would have bought it, like, all this content. But I guess it's really cool. Like, I definitely don't, like, yeah, like I said, like, if this was there, it would have been, like, an instant buy, like, no questions asked. But because it wasn't, I feel like I just don't care enough to jump in. It kind of, like, it, 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 the it, hype it just bubble feels too burst. Late. Yeah, it just feels like, eh, it's 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 over with, whatever. What about you, Kevin? Did you ever consider it at any point? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Especially the, uh, I mean, the Super Mario World stuff. Yeah. As we we've talked about how much I love that game, mm-hmm. and I was honestly I think I was ready to pull the trigger, and then at some point, I was just entertaining the fact of oh let me just buy Super Mario World, let, let me just find a, a, a Super Nintendo Classic somewhere, and then that never happened. <laughs> so, but then eventually you know we did get a uh, Super Mario World on the uh, on the Switch, so I got my fix there. So I, I will say after that I never really. Oh sorry, go ahead. Uh, I, I actually probably would have bought it if they did come out with a super, not my bad, uh, with a Paper Mario style. Ooh. That's, that's an interesting idea. That's the other thing that I, I kind of was in the back of my mind, but I wasn't actually going to bring up, but now that you mention it, the other downside of them doing this as the final update means they, there are no more styles. They had this whole, all this untapped potential of styles and they came close with mario 2 because there's new gameplay mechanics and they came close with zelda because there's new gameplay mechanics but what a missed opportunity to not do actual style changes in the way you're describing kevin like paper mario mar a fuller mario land besides just one item um so yeah so speaking semantics here they said that this was going to this was the last huge update. They, right? they call it the final update. They said nothing about the size the, or scope. Yeah, the final update. Yeah. Um, who's to say? You know, it's not impossible for them down the line to sell styles as DLC. That's true. Update and DLC. If you all get into semantics, you're right. They are different, and that could be how they but, justify 
you know, these are free because they're building the audience to have a bigger crowd to sell deal. deal right. But do. at the same time, do we honestly think that this is going no. to be <laughs> that they're actually going to sell DLC for no, this I game? Because, like, come on. They're still so, botching paper or Super Mario Party. That deserved DLC. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I was going to bring up. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know, man. It's uh, it's a little disappointing, but whatever. It's... I mean, at this point, I guess my hope is that the community around Mario Maker 2 can build up to the point where even if Nintendo is no longer going to update the game or add new ways to find worlds, which is my sticking point through all this, because I love the worlds. They're so cool, but, like, I can't find good ones easily. But um, my hope is if, you know, if Nintendo's not going to do anything, perhaps the community itself can do it. Because, like, there's already an existing however many million copies of this sold, and that's nothing to sneeze at. But if a lot more people start getting into into Mario Maker now while they're stuck at home in isolation, I feel like some really cool stuff could come out of it, and maybe someone will build a tool. It's kind of what we're seeing happening with Animal Crossing already, where people are filling in the gaps of the functionality with really elaborate websites and tools that are really cool. Like, last episode, um, you know, we were talking about how people are coming together with various design sharing and and all that but the real heart i feel like of this kind of ad hoc self-made animal crossing community seems to be the economy and what's sprung up around that like most notably around uh turnips and the whole stock market and yeah, it's kind of insane how much there is now like angel you've been you've been playing the stock market right L- a little bit um i learned about this website through my brother and his friend it's called like the turnip.exchange mm-hmm. and it's literally just people posting up their it's their turnip prices every day, and you can enter a queue and get in line. And it's way more organized than you would imagine. Like you see, everyone can set how many people they want on their island at once, so it doesn't get too hectic. They could put whether they want any donations or if it's free reign. It's it's really cool. It's definitely something that I didn't expect. Well, I don't know. I I guess I shouldn't. For all I know, this could have been a thing during New Leaf, but I feel like it's just more prevalent now because of just how impactful Animal Crossing has been on Twitter and all these other media social media platforms. Dude, it's everywhere. But, Do you see that story going around about Elijah Wood trying to get turnips? Oh uh, yeah, that he got him, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he got him, yeah. But like, like that's a good, like it, it's literally everywhere. Like, yeah, it's um. I don't know where I was going with that, but yeah, it's 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 kind of crazy how big it is. And um, it I I was browsing Turnip Exchange a little before we you know we hopped on this recording, and it 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 actually reminds me of a whole different site that I know of. I don't know if you've toyed with it, Angel Nookazon. No, that doesn't. It's so it's kind of a similar present uh, premise in which bands are coming together and they're building like an entire interface just to fill a gap with, of what in what the game offers, but with Nookazon. It's a full-on shopping site. So they divide up various items in the game by category, just like a real e-commerce site would. It has the Amazon look, but instead of paying real money, everything's listed in bells. People can list what they have available, and then the site helps facilitate a way for the buyer and the seller to plan an island visit and make the exchange. Like you put your information, they put their information. There's like a message system, and it's basically like eBay cross with Amazon, but for in-game items using in-game currency. Hmm, that's pretty funny. It's really cool. It's very much like Turnip Exchange. And I think, uh, like, it's just really amazing that, like, you know, the fan culture of Animal Crossing is doing stuff like this and building stuff like this. And it goes even beyond this, which is crazy. Because, like, you know, like any good culture, it's not just economics. There's also, you got to support the arts, too. And to that point, um, the Getty Museum here in L.A., which, just for a record, in my opinion, is one of the best museums in L.A., probably behind LACMA and the Broad. But still, it's up there. Uh, but they built their own tool or at least borrowed an open source tool to 
help fans import the 72,000 pieces of art in the Getty collection. So, like, essentially what they did is the Getty created a page where you choose some of the most famous pieces and it will instantly generate a QR code you can scan to Animal Crossing. Or, and this is where it gets kind of wild, if you know the URL of the digital file of the art. It's a, it's a file type known as IIIIIIF. Um, you can pop that URL into the generator and it will make it Animal Crossing ready, whatever it is. Every page of the gay, Getty's collection has an IIIF file, so any piece of art of theirs works, and it doesn't just have to be Getty art. Many museums, apparently IIIF, which is really fun to say, uh, apparently it's a very common format for museums for online collections. So the gay is actively encouraging people to take URLs from any museum that uses it, pop it in, the, in their little generator, and it'll just work. It's really cool. And it's crazy that like a museum as big as the Getty, which is like one of the probably landmark things here in LA, is like someone on their team or enough people on their team are into, the, are into um, Animal Crossing enough and see the marketing potential here to actually have built this thing. And made it work with a museum standard format. Yeah, it is nuts. Yeah, it just, it just really goes to show well, you that, well, like, we live in. yeah, yeah, and and part of it's of course because of the quarantine. Everyone's stuck at home. So what else are they going to do? Wild world, indeed. Do you say a wild world? Because well done, if so. Because you, you could also say that the museums are starting to turn over a new leaf. If you want to go down this road, and really are inter- oh. and are really entertaining some city folk. Stop it. As as we're trying to explore well, these new horizons the of stay yeah, at home, you, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I'm logging off. I'll figure it later. Um, but no, what I was gonna say is it, it does go to show that like the Animal Crossing community is really everywhere right now, which you know means that the game is being utilized in ways I'm sure Nintendo didn't even anticipate. Like you know, Nintendo probably predicted someone like Adult Swim would come around and make Rick and Morty designs you can download, which which they did. But I bet you they did not expect, like, the Monterey Bay Aquarium to do virtual educational tours of the Animal Crossing Museum on Twitch and use that as a way to teach people and ki- kids and adults alike um, about sea life. Or that in China, like, pro-Hong Kong protesters are using the Power Maker to slip past censorship and promote their <laughs> views to the point that China had to ban the game from being imported into the country because it was too contradictory to what they wanted to present to the country. Oh, it's wow. insane. Like, it's crazy how big the world around Animal Crossing is now. Um, I think my favorite story, though, of all of these, for, my sh- for the sheer unexpectedness, um, apparently mentioning Animal Crossing on your Tinder profile will get you more matches. This – Wait, yeah, wait, wait. Hold yeah, on. You heard me. Say, say that again. Animal Crossing. If you put Animal Crossing in your Tinder profile, anecdotally – you will get more matches. This is a very real thing that comes from a Polygon piece where they um, – it's worth reading the piece for yourself ultimately if for no other reason than there's an actual quote from one woman of maybe he only wanted me for my apples. That's a real quote. But um, yes, apparently people uh, in the article at least are saying that when they put Animal Crossing in their profile, it has upped their match rate. And for some, it's also led to more phone numbers being exchanged. And okay, now what do you mean? Oh, let me stop you yeah. right there. What do you mean by putting Animal Crossing? Just in? mentioning it. Just mentioning it somewhere in their profile, in some way. Like I have Animal Crossing. I play Animal Crossing. Come visit my island. So come that's not just mentioning it. Oh, just okay, like putting that yeah. you that you're a player. Yes, okay. exactly. And uh, I think part of the reason I'm sure if working, you mention I hate Animal Crossing or I yeah I don't play that, then I doubt that's gonna. Oh yeah yeah yeah. It's not like a algorithm thing. I mean like if they if they highlight Animal Crossing in their profile in a positive way, but um, and I think you know some of this is clearly do the current social distancing we're all enduring. But there are interesting points in the article about how, like, 
it does make it feel it does make for like a less pressured first date because if it doesn't go and like even if it doesn't go well like you still get something out of it from the island of the person you visited be it their fruit or like a fish or in one case a guy this one's a little i don't know a guy gave a girl sixty-seven thousand bells to finish paying off her mortgage on the first date which that seems odd but ignoring that one it does like very you know, little amount of bells no, but it just seems odd in terms of, like, he's, like, bri- bribing them, kind of. But anyway, um, I don't know. Ignoring that one, um, it does seem like it's kind of an easy way to just get to know someone. Like, if it kicks off something, the game lets you stay engaged with one another in a way that's, like, not just texting. Which, you know, has activities involved, which you can't do when you're... No, it has activities you have to make up yourself. Right now, it doesn't well, really have anything for you to do. Yeah, but there's all sorts of, like, that's there's it. that Nintendo Minute video 15 minutes ago that I'm sure every Tinder user watched... <laughs> that, well, that's what um, I'm saying. Like, unless yeah. like there's like no like Nintendo gated activities, they're all just at least not yet. But yeah, but that kind of goes back to the whole the communities building their own. And although I feel like Nintendo could do a little more, I think fishing tournaments should be more of a regular thing. I would like to see more of that. But um, yeah, just in general, it's just kind of. And even if you go like on a museum date or whatever in the game, it's still something. And you're basically doing something while talking, doing something with your hands while talking, having a distraction while talking. Um. But yeah, so if, if if anyone wants to try it out and report back, <laughs> they can put this to the test or not. But more seriously, um, the reason I brought up the Tinder thing is not just because it's kind of charming and funny, but because I think it really demonstrates like the reach of Animal Crossing right now, which is what makes things like the Getty Art Generator or Nookazon or the Turnip Exchange like actually happen. And in some ways, I at least find that the creativity of that comes out of these fan-made projects in a way is more exciting than what Nintendo's actually doing in the game themselves with real updates. Like, don't get me wrong. I appreciate everything they're adding in game. Like they open up many more time sinks, many more opportunities, but they're like expected. You know what I mean? Like last episode, Angel, you and I went through a whole list of what was missing from new horizons. And lo and behold, 10 days later, Nintendo's like, Oh yeah, here's red and his counterfeit art and the art museum. Here's recent Cyrus again. Here's Leaf Sign Shrubbery again, which is all great, and there's a lot of in-game stuff you can do with that, but it doesn't quite have the same, like, oh, wow, as the freaking Getty deciding to let you officially import Van Gogh's or something. Like, does that make sense what I'm saying? Am I weird? Yeah. Oh, okay. Would you like to elaborate on my weirdness or nah? I don't know. I mean, I... I don't know. I think the Getty putting stuff in... I mean, it's exciting or just... I, I think it's more like, oh, that's awesome. But, I mean, I haven't downloaded yeah. anything. I think it's just very case-by-case. Case. I'm definitely more excited for the updates they're bringing along, even if there were ex- stuff that was expected. That's fair. But That's fair, yeah. But, I mean, it's, it's obviously very case-by-case because, case, like, we have a friend that is obsessed with the Getty because they would actually, like, go there with their siblings. So it makes sense why they would, like, think that's really awesome. And that probably would be more exciting. But, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, like I said, it's just person-by-person. Person. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Universe. Well, one thing I do really like that Nintendo's doing with this update, actually with events in general this time around, is instead of them being just like one-day holidays, they're turning them into little meta games. Like, I don't, I don't remember. I don't remember if you said this on the show or off the air, Angel, but I do remember after Bunny Day ended, you made a comment about how you kind of miss the meta of it or the side story of it or something like that, right? Was that something well, you were saying? I mean, there was just like sub, there were just objectives. There were other objectives. Because I guess, like, yeah. the current ones, I, mean, well, I don't know. I, I barely, I don't really play that much each day. Like, I'm going at an extremely slow pace. And even, like, the stuff that, 
my I guess my current objective right now is to pick a stage for KK. But that was something that was given to me like over a week ago. I just haven't really bothered doing it or I'm, like, I would yeah. just rather go through the, you know, like check the store, check the ATM, check the Mabel sister store. And that's pretty much all I do mm-hmm. just because, yeah, I don't, I don't really have that much time to that. I feel comfortable thinking into it yet. Right. But having the bunny day. Yeah. Cause everything else doesn't have any urgency. Like I could set up the KK stuff whenever there's like no like hard stop. But at least with the bunny day stuff, it's like, oh, I got to get all the eggs. So I actually set aside time in the evening to go and make sure I have, like, a couple of each type of egg or every single recipe or or that I crafted everything. Yeah, I... Uh, I, guess, I guess it feels like break time. It just feels like Animal Crossing downtime right now. It's funny because, like, like, I have the same, like, it does feel like break time in a way. Like, I, I feel like, you know, like, right after Christmas and New Year's, like, it's, like after the holiday season ends, that first couple weeks of January, it's just like, huh. This is kind of mundane now compared to all the crazy that just was. Like, that's kind of what it feels like to me. And not necessarily in a negative way, just like the, the shift, the abrupt end of one thing. But what was kind of cool about these new events and actually plays perfectly into your point that, um, you know, you don't necessarily have a ton of time to do something on a given day is it seems like none of the events are one day anymore. They're all they're all multiple day long of activities with emphasis emphasizing emphasizing different parts of the game and kind of bring them to the forefront. You know, parts of the game that maybe we don't have much that we need to do and where there is no urgency and like nature day, which is going on now till May first, that rewards you with nook miles for planting flowers and trees. And sure, people are setting up orchards and everything, but that's like if they want to. But now there's like a gamified reason to or May Day, which is actually May seven days because it's like the first through the seventh um, of May, obviously. That uh, lets you get a special island tour where you can go to this one-off island, and there's a old favorite Animal Crossing character there that I won't spoil. Um, there seems to be hanging out there. Uh, and then there's International Museum Day, which is actually two weeks long, uh, 18th through 31st of May, where you can earn stamps and actually like you get encouraged by to explore the museum and look at the exhibits and look at all that crazy work that the designers put into a very impressive fake museum. And, you know, you're, you're given stamps that give you stuff the more you explore the museum. Or like all of June, they're doing a wedding season where you can use your Nook phone's camera, which is a feature that obviously you can play around with. We definitely do when visiting islands, I feel like. But never had a real gameplay reason until now where you're taking pictures of Reese and Cyrus who are back. And you're taking their wedding photos and you unlock special items, the more photos and the different photos you arrange and that sort of thing. So... It, I think it's really cool, at least, that there's these four entirely different aspects of the game that are being highlighted Bunny Day style for the next eight straight weeks or so. And I think that's, of the April update stuff, like less than red, less than leaf, all that, that's what I'm most excited about. Because like, it's not just a variety of activities, but it's how they're back-to-back all through summer. There's a hint of urgency, but it's still stretched out where you don't, if you don't play one day, you're not missing it. It's still there for at least a week in every case. And, yeah, that, that's at least why I think is really cool about the update. Yeah, I'm definitely curious about the wedding stuff just because um, it's nice to see recent Cyrus, even if they are just getting married. I mean, no, they're celebrating their anniversary, but... I, I do really like also... It feels different. Um, yeah, I like how they're reusing the characters. Like, to my point earlier where it wasn't exciting, it's like, oh, Red's back. I mean, I guess he's on a boat now. That's cool. Um, but And he's called Jolly Red instead of Crazy Red. But I do like how, like, recent Cyrus have a new role... Um, the guy who takes the photos, I forget his name, but he had a different role in the past games. Like, it is cool how they're coming up with new ways well, to present I mean, characters we know. something that I don't really hear, like, I guess a lot of talk about. I mean, I don't hear people talk a lot about this, but I do 
like I guess how they actually keep there's still like a consistent story throughout all of Animal Crossing with the animals. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I don't. That's always really cool to see. Like I like how you know their relationship with the Able Sisters and Label has been like evolving. How Nook has been evolving. For I personally a... don't like Isabel. I wish she wasn't reading the game, but I mean, she's still. You know what's there. weird? You are the second person who has told me that this week. I don't know. Why. <laughs> I just find her annoying. I don't know. There's there's theory she's an alcoholic because of that whiskey next to her. Oh yeah, <laughs> like when I, the first time I saw that, I thought that was like, yeah. I, I can't think of what else it could be besides whiskey or I guess tea. Um, but, no, so apparently it's a uh, in Japan it's some sort of summer so, refresher drink. Um, well, she sometimes like completely knocked out during the day, so she's definitely yeah. Drinking. I mean, she she's asleep. Yeah, it, that's clearly what it is. But it, they, Nintendo can pretend it's not. But but yeah, I do I do appreciate the fact that even though all these games are like kind of self-contained little stories of sorts, they do have an overarching canon which mm-hmm. you wouldn't or lore which you wouldn't really expect honestly um yeah but it, it you know it's cool to see that like there is plenty to do in animal crossing going forward and i think now that we know the next eight weeks i don't we might finally be done talking about it on the podcast for a while we've gone three episodes in a row but <laughs> but you're running out of new things i feel like um but now that we've talked about two of the like biggest updates this past week mario maker animal crossing um i kind of wanted to for a moment at least step back and look at kind of the broader picture here. Because, like, really the story of Nintendo these past couple of weeks, to me, has been how out of nowhere we're suddenly getting all this stuff. Like, especially this weekend. Like, there, there are the two updates we talked about. There's a seven-day free Splatoon trial with a matching Switch Online trial for non-members um, next week. There's a Tetris 99 Maximus Cup centered around Ring Fit Adventure going on right now this weekend. Mario Kart Tour is even getting in on all this with a uh, synced-up new tour with Builder Mario to promote Mario Maker 2. And it's weird that this is all happening right now in this, like, 10-day stretch because after months and months of barely anything from Nintendo, like, we haven't had – and, you know, we, we haven't really had anything up to Animal Crossing. After May and June, we have no idea what what's going on. So this kind of got me thinking, like, why now? Why hit us with all this stuff in a single week instead of spread it out, you know, from February to July or something like that? And to answer my own question, <laughs> I have two theories. I don't know if you guys have eight theories, but I have two theories. Um, gotta take that as you don't, probably because I didn't even tell you I was thinking this. But uh, I don't. Yeah. So I, I, I guess I have two theories. I really one one theory in two parts. Uh, so in the normal times, back in the normal times, pre-coronavirus, Nintendo was supposed to have their next financial report. The release and the corresponding briefing this week, this coming week. And it would have been the briefing that summed up their full fiscal year, including the past quarter where, again, outside of Animal Crossing, there was not a whole lot going on um, at all, like abnormally so. So what better way to, you know, give investors a boost of confidence than to lead right into, you know, they go into the briefing, they walk in, they say, hey, here's how we're starting our new fiscal year. We're reinvigorating sales of all our older titles. We got Mario Maker update this week. We got Splatoon, a demo this coming weekend. We continue to offer incentives and free to play titles like Metro, uh, Metroid, wow, like Tetris 99 and Mario Kart Tour. Like it's it's one big PR play for investors, basically, um, and it's one that admittedly banked pretty heavily on Animal Crossing being a big hit because the thinking presumably would be that brought a lot of new Switch owners who perhaps after a month of playing New Horizons. Maybe they're looking at other titles now, and nothing helps put a game back in the news and spark an old, perhaps somewhat lapsed player base like big free updates and in-game events. And if you kind of map out how Nintendo's unfolding these, 
it's a real it's it it's really similar it falls like the same rhythm of every three or four weeks we need to give switch owners something new that we saw back when the switch first launched or when even the wii launched back in the day like every month there was a new game every month there was a new thing it's just on a smaller scale here so this month we got the updates next month we're getting the return of splatoon's uh splatfest for a one-off event which is a perfect move for people who maybe try the seven-day demo next week like it a lot and then you quickly you know like oh there's an event in three weeks i need to buy this game and really get into it now so i can compete so there's that mental mind trick and then you know there's xenoblade right after that and then in june they do it again with the first uh fighter pass volume two character for smash bros whoever that arms fighter is which i originally thought must have you know maybe it got delayed it makes sense to come out in uh, april they promoted arms with a party whatever they call it party crash a couple weeks ago like where where's the fighter but now i'm realizing maybe nintendo's doing this intentionally so they could have this drumbeat of activities every month for people that are now first entering the world of switch and uh that might be why they so vaguely promoted it months in advance although i think both of us are kind of frustrated by them doing that at the time if i remember correctly angel yeah it feels like a trap because i they should just announce a sequel of anything but you know yeah yeah but it's um yeah, I wonder if they will. I wonder if, like, if, if, if Smash does well, you know, if the ARMS character in Smash takes off, if that is a chance at a sequel, or if they're kind of testing the waters with uh, a broader audience now. Well, I really hope they do. I mean, now that I don't know how long it's been since they said it was going to be an ARMS character. How long has it been? Almost a month? Has it been Yeah, a about a month? month. About a month. Yeah, I think it was, like, this past week where I guess I just decided just to, I guess, just think again about this character. Uh-huh. And I guess um I also, like, played... I also like been on and off playing arms just like trying to say like all right maybe this time like i'll get really into it because i still like love everything else about it but one of the things that i started to realize is that sure it could be an annoying zoning character but if they do try like to actually like stick with more of the mechanics than just the fact that they have a lot of range i wonder i think it'd be really interesting if they have some way to because you know like when you throw out your arms they're, you're literally you basically have two attacks that you could shoot out simultaneously or one after the other. But pretty much when you shoot out those arms, you literally can't do anything until they return. So that would definitely be, I don't know, I guess really interesting for a Smash character just to have like an attack that lasts that long. I mean, I guess it makes sense for them to have really long range, but then if they literally miss you, you dodge their arm, then they're kind of just sitting there not really able to do anything for a while. Or the fact that you could aim your arms in multiple directions. I don't know. I guess, like, now... I guess the more I thought about it, the more, I guess, they play into this risk-reward thing and just really lean into that instead of just having another duck hunt that could, like, have a wall of projectiles thrown at you without really any... without any seeming... any downside. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be really, really cool and interesting and maybe actually excited to have this character as part of the roster because... We definitely don't need another, like, wall of projectile character, like, you know, the Belmonts, Duck Hunt, Mega Mans, the village, the Animal Crossings. Right. This could be, I don't know, I guess different. Like, a projectile character you don't feel bad about fighting. Because if they actually hit you with something, it'll actually be like, oh, wow, all right, they actually took the time. I don't know, that'd be crazy if you have to somehow aim your shots, which is, like, the core thing about arms. That'd be really cool. Kind of yeah, like the I boomerang. Think... The boomerang kind of lets you, for the most part, aim a good amount. So we'll see how that goes. 
I think uh, I'm hoping the extra dev time here make means they're doing something more creative. Like not necessarily extra dev time. Maybe there was never a delay. Maybe that's just this is always how they planned it. But having this gap where they were doing a character every two months yeah. and now maybe having they are six, that much harder on them. Because I yeah, mean, that's kind of what I'm hoping. And I mean, this would probably suck for the arms character. But I mean, if they even want to incorporate the fact that in the game. Um, like two other things like one like if you hit their arm enough times like their arm becomes disabled for a little bit that's like one of the things you want to attack their arm so they can't use their arms and they're kind of just right. like draping like drooping down there right but just like the charging mechanic just because like oh i mean if you hold shield shield your arms will get buffed up i'm sure that's like the easiest thing they could implement mm-hmm. but i mean you could also charge up your arms by dashing and holding the dash button but I guess I don't really know how that would work in Smash Brothers because typically you dash and then you're just in place charging up. But well, the, no, the thing, I mean, the, it also depends on who they end up going with because Min Min wouldn't really have that issue as much. Right. Who I mean, they also our, don't have to be one-to-one. I mean, yeah, every character a, has to introduce something is, interesting, except for Byleth. They, I feel, didn't really introduce anything new into Smash. But, yeah, I, I agree yeah. with that. But that, that's what I was about to say is like um, they've done a good job of converting more of the traditional systems from games that characters come from than you would think. Like Street Fighter could still do the combos, the Street Fighter way, like that sort of, you know, the yeah, button the inputs, Terry, that sort of I thing. Mean, the fact so Hero could, works the way he does. I mean, that's exactly. crazy. Yeah, so theoretically they could implement stuff from ARMS like, you know, the weapon timeouts or whatever you want to call them, the fatigue. I don't know what to even call it, but, you know, where you can't use the ARM for a minute. Like that could actually work. It'd be weird. And it'd be weird to think about Surface All, but the way they've tied in other game mechanics from other series, it's certainly possible. Yeah. Also, on a side note, I feel like just because I've been playing so much Ring Fit Adventure, I feel like I would love to see some kind of representation from it. But Besides I mean, a spirit board event, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, I feel like the character could potentially be too similar to probably Bayonetta, if anything. And I'm only saying Bayonetta just because... Like, they're, I mean, you're pretty much holding the ring the whole time. So, I mean, they have some attacks they could do with that. But almost all the attacks they do are some kind of, like, giant appendage attacking your opponent from a distance, which is pretty much what Bayonetta does with their smash attacks. But, I don't know. Could be interesting. Or maybe they'll have the, Drago. The, the way... Actually, Drago guy. might work better, I feel like, in some way. But because uh, the Ring Fit trainer, for lack of a better term, is very similar to the Wii Fit trainer. Aesthetic. Yeah, well, I mean, in physique, yeah, and everything, but... Yeah, except the flaming hair, but... But, yeah, but just, like, the way the attack is definitely... It's kind of already been done for, like, a better term in... Yeah. yeah I guess it's Smash Brothers, yeah. but... I'm willing to know. bet that it's only going to be uh, costumes for me. I bet you that's the only representation You're that You're probably gets. right. And God I... damn, Smash Brothers needs to add costumes to other freaking characters. That's, like, they should make the it most a annoying for, thing. For like, I don't training. care if they have to charge money for them but like why can't we have like a dry bowser or other marios or another suit for samus that isn't just a reskin various suit part of like, me I mean, thinks they, that nintendo they may clearly can make them and they added some for smash brothers ultimate and somehow took some away so i don't know like yarn yoshi would have made more sense than the felt yoshi they added like, you can barely tell there's any difference unless you're really paying attention yeah, but you gotta promote know. that crafted world a year before it comes out, or a year at the time before it came out, or whatever. Yeah, then it was. do nothing with these. Like it would just make it way more interesting. I agree. But I wouldn't be surprised. So they say that the volume two of the Fighter Pass is it, the same way they said that three is the final Mario update. But if we want to get into semantics, like Kevin did earlier, 
Um, I would not be surprised if the final fire pass does not mean they're not going to make me costumes. I mean, does not mean they're going to well, introduce I mean, in between, alternate regular costumes to sell for like a nickel or whatever. I mean, they never said they were going to add more me costumes when they had the first fighter pass. They just sprinkled them in with every single fighter. Yeah, so but I'm I mean, sure like, even beyond be. the second fire pass, they can keep... All they're saying is no more fighter pass, as of now, at least. Mm. They could easily do other stuff or come up with new monetization schemes, because it is one of Nintendo's best-selling games. There's no way they're just going to be like, yeah, we're good. We don't need more money from this audience. Damn. Especially modern Nintendo, well, where they embrace just definitely the cements home the fact. Definitely cements home the fact that the next Smash game is going to definitely not be like this. Yeah, it's going to be a step Which down I'm, or something. Yeah, it has to be. Yeah, and I mean... It, I honestly think it has to be like there's no way they shouldn't try to match the number of characters honestly I wouldn't mind if it's like it goes down to a roster of 20 even mm-hmm. if it's like the same like original core characters but just like completely rework them like Mario's had largely the same moveset since like the Smash 64 right. just like a few tweaks like yeah he they, they have way more they can work with especially with Odyssey and Galaxy like all he gets from Odyssey is like a little nod with his taunt it's like really I Can think actually give them like a capital or something. I well, I think that one's because they're developing them too close together and they didn't share assets enough. But I think uh, no, general, to your broader maybe. point, yeah, um, I think a soft reboot of Smash is the only way to do it. Go back to a smaller roster, introduce totally new move sets, change up a few mechanics in some way. Yeah. You run the risk of alienating people. But that's what they but did. What else from, can like, you do? Yeah, well, they did that from melee to, to brawl, brawl. Mm-hmm. and. Debatably, well, I guess from Brawl to Wii U, you kind of got more people back, but you kind of yeah, have like, to at this point. I mean, people are take still playing Melee, so, so yeah. people will just still be playing Smash Ultimate. I'd rather, at this point, I definitely would rather take something completely new than more of the same because I'm sure, and I don't see it's even better because if it is completely different and whether it's polarizing or not, at least Ultimate will still be able to stand its own and not be like. Like, we have zero reason to play Smash 4 or Brawl because this is just a better version of it. That's all it is. More characters. Yeah, Yeah, more characters, more refinements. So if the next one is another Ultimate, then I I, I just want a reason to come back to Ultimate. And I'm glad, and I'm sure there will be. What if the next Smash is just a straight up, it's just straight up a fighting game? Like (laughs) they just drop the party mechanics? Yeah. Dude, that'd be cool. I mean, that'd be probably the first fighting game that I really go out of my way to try. I mean, I dabbled in like Street Fighter 4 a good amount, but there was always like a wall that I hit where I'm just like, I can't pick up these combos. And I think I just probably prematurely gave up. Probably just good enough to beat average people online, but anyone that would like remotely was decent, yeah, that would just like kick my butt. So that'd be awesome if they did that. Kind of, I mean,. I really admire Pokémon for trying what it did. I love that Weavile, one of my favorite Pokémon, would happen to be in there, but the mechanics unfortunately didn't click with me. It was just way too... It leaned way too much into the rock, paper, scissors mechanic. It didn't really feel like I was fighting. It felt more like you got near them and you just threw a giant rock, paper, scissors. It just felt like a guessing game, less than a fighting game. Even though fighting games are kind of guessing games, it's kind of a weird thing to say out loud, but I feel like there was less agency. You know what? I can I can see them making uh, Smash into a 3D arena brawler. Oh, okay. Th- those are my, brawler. those are my least God. those are my least favorite type I of fighting games. I like, I love what they did with the, like, the Ninja Storm series, still... but I just can't get into them for yeah. some. Like I love how they look. But like, 
Damn no. Because if no. you do the if you go the no. if you go the three D arena route, you could still have like the party aspects, you know, I the know. items. And Nintendo will definitely all that kind of stuff. We'll definitely want ring, to ring outs and stuff like that. So hmm, that's interesting. Mm, I think if yeah. they were to do that, Dude, well, I think they're, they're Capcom two... and they end up being like a versus game. I mean, that's probably the only other way I could see it because it is kind of fast paced like that. I think whatever they do, it's gonna be Nintendo versus spinoff. It's gonna be deemed a spinoff. Like no it's gonna be like a Nintendo time. versus Capcom. It's gonna be called Super Smash Fighters if they go full fighting game. Like I don't see if you look at Nintendo's your Pokemon actually reference is what made me think of this. If you look at how Nintendo does their games, whenever they change up the genre of something or whenever they do something, it's a spinoff now. There's no way Smash Super Smash Brothers will become a full 3D fighting arena game. There's no way to become a full fighting game in my opinion because like everything Nintendo does, if you look at their FPS or squad based shooters, Splatoon, their racing game Mario Kart. Their fighting game Smash Bros. Their other fighting game that's supposed to be more of a fighting game, competitive one, Arms. They tried. Um, all of that, in my opinion, at least, they always do the same thing, which is let's do a unique mechanic and make it both casual friendly and hardcore like uh, depth. And if they go full fighting game, they can't call it Super Smash Bros. because they're dropping the casual half, and it just becomes Super Smash Fighters or something. That's not to say they won't do it. I can see them doing it, but I don't think they're going to brand it as a full sequel. It's going to be a spin That's true. I, I guess at that point, I wouldn't expect Sakurai to be involved in it in any way. Which yeah, like, if they, like if they did. With, I guess. Yeah, like, like they did. Well, no, he said he he hasn't said hard yes or no on coming back, but um, he just always like, well, there's nothing planned now, which is like, yeah, no, no, of course. I'm, Nothing's planned until it's planned. But, um, no, no, just speculation. I don't know. But I think, I no, like I think to your point, yeah, I think. Probably, he definitely deserves the right to say no and at least work on a different project. Oh, for sure. Yeah, but I think I think uh, they would farm it out to someone somehow in a similar like how Pokken was. They got the Tekken team to make it. That's why it's Pokken after all. Um, so I could see them doing something like that or Leon someone else and just giving them a little freedom. And that's how I think honestly how a 3D arena one could happen. But Kevin, you bring up a really good point that like they could port over the more casual stuff to a 3D fighter one as well. Items, uh, ring, like arena. all of it. Yeah. But I don't think they'd want to like like they've tried a few times to keep things similar in name to the originals, and it always like look at Metroid Prime uh, Federation Force, look at uh, you know stuff like that where they stick the full name as is and then make it seem like it's part of the main series and people just lose their minds. But like Metroid Prime and Metroid live side by side and they were very different. They were both were fine. And at first people were like, "What is this?" But then Nintendo kept saying, "Oh, it's Metroid Prime. It's a separate thing. It's a first person, completely separate. Metroid itself is still a property." And then people sort of like, "Okay." So as long as they split, as long as they fork it, I think they could probably pull off something like that. Mm. But it it I mean, would be cool. I actually it would be interested in seeing how they do it. A three D arena fighter. No, oh man, those are. I'm not saying it'll be good. I'm interested in seeing them attempted. No, I don't want to see them attempted. If there is, if there is anybody who could possibly make a 3D arena fighter good, it might be Nintendo. But they already tried because arms is kind of. Yeah, yeah, but like arms is. I'd rather play. I'd rather play arms than like Jump Force or that uh, My Hero Academia fighting fighting games like. Honestly. How is Jump Force? Because that just came to the Switch. Or it didn't just come to Switch. It was just announced for Switch the other day. Uh, Jump Force? Uh, very mediocre. Oh. It's aggressive. From, okay. from what I've seen and what I've heard, very, very some mediocre. Some ultimate attacks look neat. It's not like I can really give it. Like some of the Yu-Gi-Oh! Monster ultimate attacks, but I don't know. Nothing about it makes me want to play it. 
They need to bring back uh, Clay Fighters. Fighters. Anyone remember Clay Fighters? I don't remember if it was. Nope, they do not. They do I was, not. I was about to follow up, but I don't remember if it was good. I don't remember anything about it except it's called Clay Fighters. So I thought I just. I mean, the only thing you had going for it was the art style. Yeah, I liked the name as a kid. Sixty-three and whatever a half. You could see where my uh, where I cut my teeth on my lame sense of humor when I'm like, ah, it's not quite sixty-four. How clever, but. Yeah, I actually don't remember the game at all. Just the name. You fall in the same pantheon of people who were like, "Oh, they need to bring Battletoads back." And like, no, no one ever oh, needs yeah, to bring no, Battletoads yeah, back. Yeah. And then they do, and they're ever. like, "Oh, damn." Yeah, and like, why? Yeah, why exactly. is this back? There is. If we're talking, which I don't know, I don't know if that did that game ever come out. The the not yet. the Battletoads not remake. Yet. Let me see. I don't think so. But on the on the topic of remakes, that most people are like, eh. No, legitimately, I want. It could be like 15 bucks, and it could just be an up-res, but I would be down for a re-release of Gex 64, Enter the Gecko. Now, it might be nostalgia clouding my judgment there, but as a kid, I loved that game. It's a 3D platformer, but each level and world was based on different tropes of movies and TV, and it was kind of had that like 90s like unnecessary attitude thing. Um, but I did really like it as a kid, and I would revisit it for like 15 bucks. Not saying it deserves to come back. I'm just saying I would play it if it did. I remember playing uh, that demo a lot, but... Was that a yeah. no to Battletoads or a no to my idea of Gex? Or both? To your idea of Gex. Oh, okay. Well. Well, all right then. Thanks for doing the market research of one and shooting it down. Well, I mean, <laughs> your 64 is still connected, right? Can't you just plug yeah, it Yeah, it's it? kind of... It is still connected. It's actually one room over from where I'm sitting right now. But it's kind of dusty. That's dusted Oh, my all. gosh. <laughs> all right. Let's move on. What's yeah, okay, fine. Well, we, we got on a little tangent with ARMS and Smash and Gex. But uh, the point I was making before is that Nintendo basically needed all these updates now to really capitalize on the wave of new Switch owners and to show investors they're doing that. And that wave of Switch owners is very big, bigger than I think Nintendo could possibly imagine as, of course, evident by all the shortages. Um, I mean, like if you look at what people are scalping right now out in the world, out on the internet, it is toilet paper, it is webcams, and it is Switches. That's it. Like Vice ran a whole toilet. Toilet paper has definitely. Uh, it's coming back. Gone down. Yes, though. it definitely has. Yeah. yeah. As has water. I was at Vons last weekend, and there was water in Bountiful Supplies, and I never understood that one. Toilet paper, I almost understand. Water, it comes out of every sink. Like. <laughs> yeah, but it's not always filtered. But you could just buy a filter, or even then, most tap water is safe. Uh, I don't know about that one, Doc. Out here, it is. Oh, yeah, look at me. We can all live in Hermosa Beach then. You guys know we all have the same water supply, <laughs> right? <laughs> Just because we're in different parts of L.A., it all comes from the same wherever the reservoir is. But anyway, uh, the point is, yeah, yeah, like Switch is very hard to come by. Like Vice I actually did a whole – trust the cleanliness of the pipes. That's, okay, that's a different story. That's a fair one. Um, but yeah, like – uh, Vice, I saw the other day, did this whole story on how scalpers are building bots just to target switches, like new bots to figure out the switch system specifically. There's a story going around about this guy who couldn't find a switch, so he instead bought all the components individually and built it himself for $50 less. And um, and then the other day, I was reading that in Japan, the shortages were so bad that at one point, a store received 130 units, and they held a lottery to sell those units so you could get a chance at buying it. 200,000 people entered. 
for 130 units. In Japan, in fact, sales of the 2DS XL and Animal Crossing New Leaf are on the rise because people are selling for what they can find. So if they can't get New Horizons as Switch, they'll get the one generation ago lesser versions. And even apparently Wii Sports is now seeing a surge in used copies because people just want to be active and, you know, Ring Fit can't be found and Switches can't be found and all that. Um, but generally, like, to be fair, the industry as a whole, like gaming right now is really... It's really doing pretty well for itself. Um, MPD charts for March are out, and here in the States, coronavirus, self-isolation, all that led to a 35% increase in video game industry sales. That's a 39% jump in software and a 63% jump in hardware. It is the single best March the industry has had since 2008, and they brought in almost $1.6 billion with a B dollars, which is nuts. That's a lot of – I mean it makes sense, but it's crazy. That's a lot of money in a single month, and it's the Switch – which had its strongest month in sales ever, uh, surpassing its launch performance three years ago. Uh, it's the Switch that's leading the charge. And really, it's Animal Crossing that's leading the charge of the Switch because based solely on physical sales, um, Animal Crossing, number one on the charts in March by a long shot. No surprise there. It's off 10 days of tracking. And in those 10 days, it became the second best-selling game of 2020, only behind Call of Duty. And in those same 10 days, it had the third strongest launch of any Nintendo game ever in NPD history. The only two games that outperformed Animal Crossing were Smash Bros. Ultimate at number one, with the current record holder, and Brawl back in 2013. Or, sorry, 2008. Where did I get 2013? It's 2008. What? Do we know what the rankings are digitally? Uh, Not exactly. But real quick, just give you an idea of how big this Animal Crossing thing is. That means New Horizons has sold more physical copies at launch than any Mario any Zelda, any Mario Kart, and presumably, if I understand what they mean correctly, any individual Pokemon title ever did. That's crazy. Um, but yes, digital, that's a good question because we are just talking physical sales. Digital, Nintendo doesn't really say the numbers except when they put out their financial reports. Uh, so we'll have a better sense next episode after their delayed financials come out. But according to an analytics firm called Superdata, they claim the game has already sold 5 million copies digitally around the world. Which, um, for one thing, means it's already one of the Switch's top 10 best-selling games of all time. And more significantly, according to Superdata, it means that Animal Crossing has sold more digital copies in a single month than any console game has ever sold in a single month. The previous record was held by Black Ops 3 years ago. It's crazy how big Animal Crossing has gotten. Like... It's really wild, and it's kind of got me wondering, like, what are Animal Crossing and Switch going to be like in April? Because obviously a lot of what's driving this astronomical success is circumstance, you know. We point out time and time again, Animal Crossing is the perfect game for quarantine, it, and it still remains true. And April, um, you know, that was a whole month of quarantine. But April um, also was a month of other releases. So even though that, you know, even though Nintendo right now, their stock is at a 52-week high. Uh, the highest has been a year. Even though right now they are trying to up their Switch production by 10%, according to Japan's uh, Nikkei news- newspaper. Even though all that's happening, the industry as a whole is doing a lot. Because like we also just got, you know, at long last, Final Fantasy VII Remake. We also just had that Fortnite event a couple of days ago. Like in gaming in general is wild right now. It's everything's doing great. So I'm really curious to see like where Animal Crossing falls on this hierarchy of stuff. I don't think I think it's still gonna be number one, but like. Final Fantasy had a lot of hype around it. I imagine that's going to be doing super well as well. I mean, Kevin, you, how is that going? You're still playing it, right? 
Yeah, I'm still playing it. Uh, last major article that I saw was that it fell just short of Final Fantasy XV's, uh, I think, like, opening week sales or... Yeah. Really? It didn't outsell uh, I think, 15? I thought it would have, because it's, like, had no, demand for uh, a decade. I would, I would assume it, it had to be because of, of uh, COVID. Yeah, probably. Uh, I think it shipped... It, and and that was the the other word that they used to they used ship not uh, mm, sold through mm-hmm. uh, it shipped three point five million copies that's still a lot still a respectable yeah. number is it is it are you still enjoying it like you're you've been going through it right oh I'm loving it uh, has the camera gotten better or I mean at least have you gotten used I'm to sorry? it like have you gotten used I've, to the yeah I've gotten the 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 areas have opened up a little bit more I'm not stuck in like some facility so it's more it's more open now. Uh, but but yeah, I'm having tons of fun with the game. I I hope that this would be a game that could come over to Switch. I don't see why it can't. Um, but yeah, like Final Fan- Final Fantasy did make it onto the Switch, although it was the mobile version of Final Fantasy. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, fifteen. Yeah. But uh, I don't see. And, but that's a completely open world. This one's a little bit more linear, with the like that gives you the illusion of like an open world. But I I still don't see why this game can't be can't be on the Switch though. Hopefully it comes out so uh, everybody can enjoy. Given it. how much the Switch is taking off, as we were just talking about, I'd be shocked if it doesn't. Like Square Enix is really backing the Switch in so many ways. You know, Trials of Mana just came out this week. They have um, Bravely Second or Bravely Default Two. I mean, not Bravely Second, even though yep. they're both the second. Uh, they have that this... the third game in the Bravely Default series. <laughs> yep. Bravely Default yep. Two. I love numbers. Um, yeah, they have that. They have all their old ports. They have Dragon Quest. So I would be surprised if they didn't try and make this work somehow, especially because Clouds and Smash. To go back to this match conversation, yeah, that's yeah. It. But um, glad to hear it's good though. But uh, it's not just seven that I feel like is a big non Animal Crossing event in April. I already name dropped it, but like Fortnite did that crazy thing this weekend with Travis Scott, the in-game concert. Uh, and besides being like a kind of cool, trippy, interactive music video, um, it was also the game's single biggest event in its history. Twelve point three million concurrent players tuned into the first or participated in the first of the five Travis Scott shows in the game, which is a very large number. That's two point three million more than did Marshmallow a year ago, and that's significantly more than did Star Wars or any of the other events. Mm, poor Marshmallow. Did, what? No, I just said poor Marshmallow. Yeah, well, he's. I mean, he's not quite as big as Travis Scott is at the moment, so it's not surprising. Who is but Travis did you Scott? Guys, the the rapper Travis Scott. You know. You'd, you'd recognize it, Sikkim. You won't know the names of the songs, but you would uh, recognize it if I were to play it for you at some point. But did Kylie Jenner's Baby there Day. There you go. That's that's terms Angel will relate to, <laughs> Kylie Jenner's Baby Day. Was Ky- I mean, I know the name Kylie Jenner, but I still don't really know what she looks like. She's her Kardashian. Yeah. Oh, I feel the like one with the uh, makeup empire. I don't know, really know what the Kardashians look like. Um, like just look her up. They, they look like <laughs> one day, yeah. As, uh, one day, <laughs> uh, one day I'll work up the courage. To All right, so he Kylie doesn't sound important enough to look up. It sounds like. Yeah, no, I get what you mean. Um, yeah, yeah she's not. No, she's not. Enough. But uh, yeah, no, the Travis Scott thing. Did either of you? I mean, Kevin, you still kind of play Fortnite sometimes, right? Did you check it out? Yeah, I play. Uh, no, I was working for some reason. Every single time that the, that Fortnite has an event, I'm working. They have five of them this time. They literally are catering to the fact that there are people like you, and did five of them. Oh, uh, the last one. No, is I just saw. I saw one of them, oh, and yeah. I was fine with just. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I don't. Oh, it's tomorrow. Oh, I'm working. So. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, it uh, tomorrow as of this recording. Anyone listening when it's live, it already happened. I'm sorry. We're talking about the future in the past. Um, but yeah, it was kind of like so. You watched it, so you kind of it's kind of cool, right? Like 
I mean, they made a Gigantamax version of Travis Scott, but um, but yeah, it was kind of like a weird, trippy music video thing. For as as much crap as Fortnite gets, they still produce live content better than anybody in the game right oh, now. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know how anyone can argue that fact, but yeah, they it it, it towards the end of quote unquote chapter one, they had too many concurrent stuff like running. Mm-hmm. And they've they sort of simplified it to the point where a lot of the fan base is actually getting uh, tired of it uh, because of how stale uh, some of the content's gotten. But then they released this Travis Scott thing, and the amount of production and animation it was crazy. and just it's it looks insane. Like I can't even imagine how long they worked on that. I know, and he used it to debut a new song with Kid Cudi, and like it was like a big event for him too. It wasn't just like a quick little cash in. He like used it to like it's crazy because like conceptually, it's to me incredibly cool that video games have reached the point where stuff like this can occur. Because like I I used to watch TRL when I was a kid, and I was always excited to tune into like the spectacle of the VMAs, as sloppy and ridiculous as that show is. You know, when I was like like two thousand, two thousand one, two thousand two, and obviously all my life I've been a big video game too. So I can't. I can't even imagine like how blown away I would have been by the idea of someone of Travis Travis Scott's stature popping up in my game as a kid, and then you know flipping the game on its head like that. Like you're, you're flying around, you're suddenly underwater, the world's tilting upside down, you're going through this tunnel. Like it's all this crazy stuff, all debuting a new song, all quote unquote performing his biggest hits. Like I get it's just the music industry adopting uh, adapting to the times, and that you know kids don't watch MTV, they play Fortnite, so they just moved. The rappers into Fortnite, but like it's still so well done. It was so like just I'm looking visually at it now. impressive. Like, damn, it looks really really cool. Yeah, and like yeah, it looks. And they're dope. super smart because just like Animal Crossing, doing it now when people can't go to concerts or see their favorite acts in bold, flashy ways, like all they can see is people singing in their living room, streaming with guitar. Like that made this all the more appealing to watch and be part of. I would imagine. I only watched it on YouTube, but like it's really cool, and it's a great way to you know engage both audiences of the, of the artist and of the game although i will say as cool as it looked some of the monetization schemes around it are a bit ridiculous like i get including emotes and clothing in game that you can buy like him having his little flaming mic stand from his meme is kind of funny uh you know it's a good nod to that oh is that uh, what that is because i'm seeing a lot of people like raise up a flaming mic yeah stand. yeah so there, there's a gif like of him Google performing somewhere him. that i think someone manipulates it looked like he like had like not human proportions um like his jaw was like really like wide open like unnaturally so and it kind of became a bit of a meme around travis scott and then they actually reference it which is kind of cool uh so i get all this stuff in game but the thing that i think feels like a bit of a cash grab and i get his fans are gonna be into it and that's fine but they're also selling on travis scott's website like Fortnite action figures of himself, a Travis Scott Fortnite Nerf gun, a bunch of merch as if it's a real life concert, like clothes and stuff. And I don't know, like to me, that's a lot to commemorate I mean, what amounted to it a twelve is a real minute life concert. The the merch the merch is kind of cool. No, I, I and I, I, I guess yeah, they have like shirts and like action figures and nerfs, like I was saying. But I and I get that I mean, it's to commemorate something you experienced in the concert. game. Well, yeah, and sure, but my point is, like, what he basically did was a 15-minute award show medley just in a video game, and I'm sure the merch will sell well, and I'm sure the fans will love it. It just – there's some part of me that I'm looking at, like, can you imagine if any time they did, like, uh, like the VMAs when they do the Video Vanguard Award, and, like, ladies and gentlemen, Justin Timberlake for 12 minutes, and then right after, Justin Timberlake is like, now buy shirts of the thing you just saw on TV. 
for 12 minutes. Like, it just seems a little, I don't know. It's just a little strange. Uh, you're, you're, I personally, I think you're alone on this. No, I, I think, I think, I think, I think fans would. I see absolutely nothing wrong with Honestly, it. Honestly, I don't know. It just struck me as kind of silly, but I, I do think fans will love if it. If anything, it's like, I don't know, because, at least right now, because these events are, damn, like the production values on this thing are so crazy. Right? It's like really mm-hmm. good. It's like, I'd be kind of, I, I think I'd be a little disappointed if there wasn't any kind of merch. Yeah, I guess. And not only that, but he he also got a skin in the game. Oh, so. the skin makes sense. Yeah, no, and like and on some, like I said, I know fans are gonna eat it up. I'm just kind of like thinking if you're like in a boardroom, like, well, what if he has a 12 minute thing and then we sell 12 different types of merch about the 12 minute thing? So a merch a minute, just like the the business side of it, the capitalism side of it. I'm just like, uh, but I do get why fans would want it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so that if you for anyone listening, if even if you don't play Fortnite, well, go find it I on mean, YouTube. It's really cool. It looks we like don't know where the money's going. I mean, if any part of it kind of goes back to the developers, because I mean, isn't there something that anyone could just go into just by booting up the game? Uh, yes, oh, that's true. If it's free to play, every, I guess everything it's not that, so bad. Cause, yeah, because yeah. everything that's going on, like, just looks like months and months and months of just work. Yeah, like I can't imagine this being like easy for the developers. Yeah, that's fair. Like, okay. Yeah, if it's like a support the developer sort of deal, sure. I get it. Because, I mean, they're doing their regular daily Fortnite work on top of this concert. I mean, that's kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But seriously, anyone sense. out there who mm-hmm. hasn't seen it, go to YouTube and just – it's like it's like a movie. It's like a little music video movie. It's crazy. Um, yeah. Anyway, while we're, while we're already talking about games that we have name-dropped in other conversations, we've done Final Fantasy, we've done uh, Fortnite. We talked about Splatoon earlier. In the context of you know the free demo that starts April 29th, uh, and then there's next month's Splatfest. They brought back they're, the demo. They're bringing back the demo for seven days. Uh, it's free to try, and then they're also doing a Splatfest in three weeks. Uh, they're bringing back Team or Mayo versus Ketchup. So they've done it before, but just kind of I think they're throwing it out there just for people that you know, like I was saying earlier, are maybe hooked on the demo and have something to work towards to buy the full game. Yeah, one of our friends literally just got Splatoon too. Yeah, yeah. So um, nice I think them. I know who you're talking about. Uh, team Ketchup or Team Mayo, guys? Ketchup. Ketchup, although I am a fan of Mayo. So. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I like them both. I like them both. both. Yeah. I, last time they did this, I was Team Mayo. This time, I'm thinking I'm going to be Team Ketchup because, like, I don't have allegiances, I guess. I don't, I don't have a strong enough will. <laughs> but, but, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, it'd be better to just go with whatever the majority of your friends are doing. That way that's you can that's play what with them. it is because you guys are all doing, aren't you? Like our little squad, or is everyone doing catch up except me? So now I'm doing catch up too. I think so. Yeah, but but yeah. separate from that, uh, we talked about the multiplayer we were doing with Splatoon. But in the last episode, but in the time since, Angel, you got the Octo expansion, didn't you? I remember you mentioning that to me the other day. Yeah, playing so much, but. Playing so much Splatoon actually got me hungry for some more like single player content since I had 100%. I guess what was already there, mm-hmm. and the expansion is 20 bucks. But I'm sure like a lot of people like me had like some golden coins to spare, so I got it for like five bucks off. So it was just like 15. But I don't know. It, it's kind of weird to say whether it's worth the 15 or the 20. It just kind of depends on how you play. But I think if you actually are going to go to the tournament, like, do every single level, and most of the levels have three difficulties. Essentially, you get to pick which weapon you want to take in, and there's, like, a weapon that makes it easy, a weapon that makes it medium, and a weapon that makes it really hard. And believe me, the hard ones are really hard. 
Like you have a lot, I think you have a lot of missions that are pretty much if you miss a shot, you lose, and they go by pretty fast. So, yeah, that that makes it kind of tricky. But if you're just gonna go from A to B and just like beat the campaign, it's really short. Like I mean, I beat the campaign in a weekend, maybe like two hours or less. How wait, how many? Like maybe like if I had to guess, it was probably less than two hours to really? beat the whole thing. Wow. Well, because, like, some levels go, like, some levels take a little while, but, like, other levels are, like, survive for 30 seconds without getting hit or protect something for, like, they're, I mean, they're really tough, but, I mean, if you get them on your first try, you're going to be in and out of some stages, like, really, really fast. And there are 80 stages, so there's a ton of stages, but you only really have to do, like, a handful of them to beat the campaign, so to speak. Oh, so you beat it, but you didn't complete it. Oh, yeah, like, to actually yeah. complete it, like, I'll, I'm definitely going to get my money's worth. Right. If you just do the campaign and you're kind of, like, done with it, then, yeah, if you're going to do that, I wouldn't recommend it, because you're definitely not going to get $20 worth. But the lore building, and I guess, like, the lore they added and the world building that comes with it, it actually, I don't know, I, I found it pretty interesting. You get some more background on Marina and Pearl that's pretty funny and interesting. You get, like, the new villain, or I guess the origins of the villain's pretty interesting. And the only th- part that I thought was kind of weird, you have to, you essentially have to collect four thangs, as they put it, like T-H-A-N-G-S. And uh-huh. they're like scattered throughout like the subway. Like the, whoever's talking to you like is trying to speak in like inkling lingo, but it's like a AI, so it's like missing some words, but yeah, they call them thangs. The dialogue is really, is really funny in general, but you're pretty much going around the different subways whenever you see... Like, the thing, it's going to be, like, pulsating so you know how many levels you are, are between you and the object. The only part that I thought was kind of weird is that when you enter those levels, it kind of sets it up like, oh, all right, I'm going to have to fight a boss. Because you would imagine, all right, that means there's four bosses to beat, like, one for each object. But you literally just go in there, get it, and leave. And that's it. That part was kind of weird. There was, like, no hmm. fight or anything. There are bosses, but... They're, like, dispersed throughout just, like, any other level. So sometimes you might run into a boss, other times you might not. But if you find a path too difficult, you could just take a different path to that same level because all the levels are on subway tracks on the map. And you, there more than likely there's always a way to connect. There's more than one way to connect to a level. You could just take a different subway track. But, yeah, just seeing the different fish in the subway is interesting. The new collectibles are interesting. I don't know. It's, it's really cool. I I really enjoyed it. I definitely don't regret getting it. And the music was pretty cool, too. But yeah. I still think it's interesting that they did a whole gag of making them look like uh, Biggie and Tupac. Like, Nintendo made a Biggie and Tupac reference. Like, that still kind of gets to, like, whoa, um, okay. <laughs> like, in the I mean, trailer feel, for it. Yeah, I mean, the trailer, I feel like, plays it off more than, I guess, it is in-game. Right. I mean, you only see them for a bit in the end. Oh, so. okay. Yeah, but I mean, it was so cool. I I definitely recommend it. And it now's a great time. And challenging. Do it. So and now's a great time to do it with the game becoming relevant again in Nintendo's eyes. All signed. Yeah, and I mean, and you get some new, like some new gear, pretty much like an Octoling suit, and you and of course you could play as an Octoling after that, which you know is just a, I guess a rig change. But yeah, does the Octoling actually play any differently, or is it no, really just no? It definitely doesn't. Otherwise, it would break the game. Or right, they wouldn't, true, yeah. true. Hmm. Well, it sounds cool. Maybe I'll maybe I'll eventually dive in because I too am doing multiplayer with you. In fact, so 
Yeah, it's a good way to practice. There's definitely plenty of levels that can help you get better at sniping, just because they're all about, like, pin-perfect accuracy. And so. yeah, I mean, no shocker here, I'm not good at sniping. I'm not good at much but in games, but yeah, no like, sniping the other day like, was not going well for me. <laughs> for example, there's one level that I thought was interesting where the entire level, I mean, it's shaped like a giant, like, blooper, uh-huh. but everything about the stage is made up of boxes or crates that can easily break with ink so but you but the object of the level is to defeat 10 enemies before the time runs out but you have to be careful with what i mean with how i guess you have to be careful with your aim because you might destroy literally what you're standing on because everything is breakable Mm. but the harder like i mean the easier difficulties give you like you know like something you should you could fire with but the hardest difficulty has you do the level with a paintbrush so like in order to move around quickly, you're literally painting the ground, which means you're destroying the ground as you're going, which makes it really hard to you know oh, not yeah. kill yourself as you're trying to defeat the enemies in the time that it allows you. Right. And not to mention the enemies are always aiming at you, and they can also destroy the crates on the bottom. So it's really tough. It's really, like a really Splatoon tough. mix. It's like a Splatoon remix of how the old Tron game, where you can't go back on the path you've already made. Kind of, yeah. I mean, there are some crates that are a little more durable than others. Others that make it. A little easier, but it, it's really tough. It's definitely it's a, they're all satisfyingly challenging. Like they may make you upset or something, but once you beat them, it feels good. Right. It's that nice little. Yeah, they hit a nice point. So, right. You yeah. said it was what twenty? Yeah. That's not bad, given eighty levels and all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Platoon Two Octo Expansion in stores nice. now. Nice. Uh, yeah, I guess we may as well just keep doing this round robin of what we're playing. Um, so I guess you two just went. So I guess I'll give my impressions of our episode's namesake. I could talk about the um, elusive and legally legally questionable Cookie Mama Cookstar. Here we yeah. go. So, this is what I've been yeah, here for. we go. So to catch up anyone who missed it last episode, uh, this is a game that's basically impossible to find. It was published by a company called Plant on. Digital, developed by a company called One Player Production One or First Play Productions. And licensed from the original Cooking Mama creators and IP holders, Office Create. So, in the time since our last episode, each side, Office Create and Plant Digital, put out a statement that seemed to roughly confirm what we reported last episode, which is, uh, first, Office Create basically put Plant Digital on blast, saying that the game was not of good enough quality for release and thus shouldn't be. Then, Planet Digital did it anyway, uh, violating their contract, or so says Office Create. Now Plant Digital is rebutting, saying, well, actually, it's well within our right, and we think the game is good enough to release. So now that's a legal matter between the two of them. Uh, but with the court shut down due to coronavirus, I would like to humbly submit myself as the judge and jury on this matter, because I have the game. Now, in terms of the contract, I'm not a legal scholar. I can't help with that. But what I can do is make a ruling on whether the game is, in fact, good enough for release, and the answer is nope. It is not, and those are my impressions. No, uh, now to be <laughs> to be fair to developers, um, I think that the, the problem with Cooking Mama is there are a lot of ideas to like inside Cooking Mama Cookstar. Like the concepts are there, even if the if, even if the execution is lacking, or to repeat my own quality joke from the uh, top of the show, even if it's half baked, ha, cause cause cooking. But anyway, um. That silence is exactly what I was looking for. Damn it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Kevin. But anyway, uh, I do think the ways they 
tried to update Cooking Mama's formula for like more modern food culture are good. Like the biggest of which is uh, they're updating it for like Instagram culture and foodies. So at the end of each recipe, you now have to plate it and f- and take a photo of your food. And there are multiple backdrops and angles and um, you know filters ripped literally right out of Instagram and stickers you can put on top of the pic. Uh, at one point, Cooking Mama literally says "pose for the gram" like with the voice acting. Uh, and when you take the pic, of course, it switches to a square format, and then it lets you. This one's actually kind of nice. Uh, it lets you, should you want to. They map the screenshot button to a button on the controller so you can actually just really quickly jump straight to share it on social media in what I assume is an attempt at word-of-mouth marketing by the developers. But they did forget to put the one thing that would help them, with, which is, you know, like when you boot up a game, the share screen, how they have it pre-populated with a hashtag of the game? Cooking Mama doesn't have that. They forgot the Cooking Mama hashtag for the feature they built specifically to make the game go viral using, presumably, a Cooking Mama hashtag. Did they forget or did they just not care So enough? that is the underlying question, and I think this whole thing with the hashtag is the embodiment of everything wrong with Cookstar because, like, they did the gram stuff, and they introduced new things that resonate with the youth of today, like unicorn foods that are rainbow-colored. And there's even a vegan mode that PETA themselves recognized as a cool thing in a video game for vegans, I guess. But, like... Then it starts falling apart because they – I don't know if they tried and failed or just didn't care, but there's like nothing good that – like the ideas are good and the execution just isn't. Like there's zero story or structure or threading together of each dish, like, and I know there's a deeper lore to be had here. I don't know if you guys know, but the Cookie Mama universe includes a cooking papa, a grandpa, a grandma, a guy named David, a girl named Kate, and a bunch of others, including a dog who does show up. Um, I had to look this up on Google. And just to make sure, this, you know, I wasn't missing something here. But no, there's a whole, like, world of Cooking Mama, and none of them show up in this game. Uh, it, so instead, like, the dishes are just there. Like, you go item by item, and that's it. And there is a bit of a gameplay loop where you unlock more recipes and outfits for Mama as you go. And, you know, completing a recipe the first time, then if you get a high enough ranking of two stars, which is easy then you get a cook star mode which means you do the exact same recipe the exact same way but this time there's no on-screen tips or instructions from mama you have to do it all by yourself but um even that like even that concept of you can make the food by yourself and do it better is undermined by the fact that no matter how poorly you do the food at the end always looks the same it's always ready for that perfect instagram photo that you're gonna share without that hashtag because they didn't include it so like you're you're basically rated on a scale of one to three stars for each recipe the lowest you can go is one there's no way to actually fail mama may get upset but the sandwich or the whatever it may be still looks exactly the same so that's kind of a weird thing. Like, there's no actual visual feedback to that's you like, failing. Um, and you know, perhaps, uh, perhaps that's a. Uh, I got a question yes. once. Uh, in in Cooking Mama, are you playing as Cooking Mama? Mama you or are you helping playing Mama. as, or she is teaching you. Oh. It depends. Sometimes you're helping her. Sometimes you're teaching. She's teaching you. A lot of the games do have just you go recipe a recipe. And now I haven't actually played any other Cooking Mamas. I just read up on them in anticipation of this, so I would have correct impressions. Um, so from my understanding, a lot of them are similar, just like you have recipes, but they're strung together with a hair of a storyline or something, or like there's like some sort of overarching thing you're working to achieve. Like one of them, I think Cooking Mama 2 is called Dinner with Friends, and you're making dishes for her friends. So there's at least like a reason to make the dishes, not just you go to the menu, and it's just like, here's like 12 pictures of dishes, pick which one you want, and uh, just press some buttons. 
So yeah. Gotcha. Um, but as what Snar says is that perhaps it's a good thing that there's no way to visually fail. Like there's no way to mess up your SP because the controls can be really clunky and bad. Like the motion controls, I mean, can be really clunky or bad. Um, like in many ways, the whole game actually feels like it's out of the Wii heyday, like where you're moving your Wii remote any which way to simulate real life just by swinging around. So here, like you may need to ro- roll some batter on fried chicken, and all you do is move the controller left and right in midair, or like you slide ingredients into a bowl by tilting it sideways. And those seem like, you know, pretty straightforward motions, but they're not apparently because the controls are like pretty unreliable. Even when repeating the same motion in one mini game, the exact same motion will work. It'll work. It'll work, it'll stop working, and then you get knocked on your rating because you can't roll your chicken or whatever it may be. Um, the only nice thing about the motion controls is when they do work, there's a little HD rumble-like feedback on the controller to tell you that basically you did the button press. Like instead of being actual motion controls, or you're actually like, oh, you're tossing the chicken to make, or you're tossing like a pancake on a pan, so make like a little flipping motion with your hand, you know, like that kind of air circle. Um, it's just like, just flick. So it's real, and then it gives you the buzz. So it's really no different than like a button press in midair, which is kind of lame, but uh, when it even works. And that's the thing is if you want to avoid having these motion control issues, that's cool. You don't have to use them. If you play in handheld mode, it's all buttons and sticks. But then you run into a different issue where everything is too simple for its own good. It's literally 10 to 20 second mini games that are just endless quick time events of the same repeated motion. Like I feel like in the Wii days at least, and you know in holdovers like this of the Wii days, uh, motion controls, like the act of swinging around, the act of doing all that, kind of made normal inputs a little more fun at least, even if barely. But remove those inputs and just have it be a button press. And yeah, like it, in handheld mode, you got a prompt to press a button to rotate a stick. Now press a second button and do it all at this speed. And it's just like, like sometimes I'll throw in additional things, like watching a meter. Or guessing which object is being teased when they slowly start revealing it. Can you figure it out before time runs out? So you can put the egg in the thing, but the egg's going round shape, so clearly that's the one. Like it's you know things like that, but it's it, it's not riveting. It's it's literally like I said, an endless string of quick time events. So I would recommend when motion controls work, if they work, motion over buttons because at least motion you're like moving your hands around a little, so it feels like you're doing more than just a a stick rotate a a. Um, but yeah, like gameplay-wise, it's very shallow. Which brings me to the other problem, which is the presentation. Now, for the most part, I should be fair, the graphics are fine. The menus are clean, albeit very basic. Uh, everything's visually okay. It has like a very, again, Wii-era look and feel to it. I mean, like literally, the gra- this this could have been a game from the cutting room, left on cutting room floor in 2009 that suddenly found its way onto the Switch. And uh, that's fine. Like, it looks okay. It, it has like a nice, clean feel. The graphics sell shade, it's fine, but the <laughs> but the voice acting, that is something else. Um, now, apparently, in my research, the series has always had this not particularly well done accented voice. Cooking Mom is Japanese, English is clearly her second language, they're not hiding that. But something here in this one feels especially flat and especially awful, and she, like things like her saying, what in the what? And I can't even sound even like more ridiculous and bad when she says I'm completely flat, as does when, you know, you're uh, cutting a steak or, or whatever, and you're doing like, you know, you have 30 seconds, you have to cut chop the steak. And two chops in of the 30 seconds, she goes, you're the real hero. And it's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> How am I here? All I do is chop a piece of steak. Um, or the other one that's kind of good. 
when you do your photos, she says, don't forget to tag mama. And if you fail, she sometimes says, shaking my head. And it's just, it's not good. The one good line in the whole thing. At one point, she said, you should have your own game. And I was like, okay, that's actually kind of clever. I see what they did. That's a little meta. All right, I'll give them that one. But the rest is just like, yeah, it's not good. And then, and then lines I don't even remember, I don't remember because they come up so randomly. So like you'll be on the menu and I'll be like picking a recipe and she'll be going like, I'm hungry. And then like a couple seconds will go by, literally like two seconds. And then she'll go like, oh, and then two more seconds later, she'll go like, let's cook. And then another second later, she'll be like, oh, and I'm like, what does the O mean? I'm not doing anything. Is she, is she having a conversation with herself? Like I don't under, yeah. So that's Cooking Mama. <laughs> it's not the most horrible game you ever play. It's certainly not the best game you ever play. It's just a series of quick time events that happen on a screen in front of your face. Either at close distance in handheld where it's worse, or at a further distance on our TV where it's equally bad, but at least you're flailing about so you feel like you're doing something. And then there's some bizarre voice acting on top. That's about it. I mean, (laughs) there is a little fun to be had at first, kind of, but just barely. What were you going to say, Kevin? I guess it, it, it seems like the reason that this is getting like, oh, man, like... This game is so terrible. I think that's only happening just because of all the drama surrounding. I think it. there's a lot of that. I like, think it, in, it doesn't sound like that much of a no. of a mess. It's, it just seems very yes, very bare. Bones, it's it's like. very uh, it's very what's the word I'm looking for? Not not uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Derivative. It's very derivative of what the other games do, and that just kind of does it at the bare minimum to get by. And it's fine. Like, I saw some sites were giving it, like, a 3 and, like, a 2, and I was like, nah, this is, like, a 5 or a 6. It's suitable. I'm sure kids can have some fun with it if they don't get frustrated by the controls. But it's just very... And assuming that they could get their hands on it. Yeah, assuming they could get their hands on it. But it's just very, like... Like I said, it's just, like, if you're playing it, you're just, like, there's a thing in front of you on the screen, and you do some simple actions, and things happen, and that's, that's it. And you can have the simple actions be more simple and more boring closer to your face or further away, but more difficult to control. But that, that's basically it. Like, I, I don't regret buying it at all, honestly. Like, the whole controversy around the game is why I was interested. The fact that it's not readily available makes it, like, this weird little slice of gaming history. And I'm glad I own it for that reason. But really, there's no other reason to buy this. It's not so horrific that you're going to, you know... Um, it's not a Superman 64 situation. It's not worth $40. It's definitely not worth the extra, four, the extra $5 I pay for shipping on top as game but like for 10 bucks 15 bucks someone will probably find some entertainment in this because it does have a decent amount of recipes to choose from it does have you know the vegan mode it does have a potluck party which is a multiplayer mode that i didn't get to try um there is stuff it's just like so shallow that i don't know like who even if it was functioning correctly who would find a longer period of enjoyment out of this than just the novelty of it, unless you're a really young kid, in which case even the voice acting probably won't bother you. So if you look at it from like our, our perspective of like us three, I would not recommend it. If you have like a six-year-old, maybe. If you don't mind your six-year-old throwing the Joy-Con into your TV eventually. Hmm. So, yeah. I will say though, one side benefit of having played it is that it did remind me, I miss kind of i think it's purely nostalgia talking about kind of missed the Wii remote days where like you only need one hand to play a video game like there's something kind of nice about like being able to like have a snack while literally making a virtual one like it's kind of like the like you can more like be more leisurely with your gaming when you just have the one controller in the one hand and i know a lot of games don't benefit from that but it was an interesting concept in the Wii days i'm kind of a little nostalgic for it i guess and cooking mama really did feel like a slice of that time period 
So there's that, I guess. Which actually made it weirdly fitting that right around the time I started playing Cooking Mama, um, Nintendo put out the 10.0 firmware for the Switch. And one of the big banner features of it, out of left field, is you can remap a Joy-Con and the controller buttons. Same with the Pro Controller, but with the Joy-Con, you can actually make it possible to play games one-handed. Now, I don't know which games like you necessarily want to play one-handed. I don't even know if it works with every game, but it is possible on games where you only need the six or seven buttons. You can make it work with a vertical Joy-Con, which is kind of kind of neat for the same sort of weird nostalgia factor as uh, Cookie Mama's. Did you did you guys map any of your buttons? Like as PlayStation people, did you feel the need to switch anything around? No, because everything is a couple of games roughly in the same spot. Which uh, which games, Kevin? Uh. First one that jumps jumps out at me is uh, near our uh, automata. That one, that one had a had weird uh, controls. And then for a, for a second, I tried to remap X and triangle <laughs> for Final Fantasy VII remake, but I just ended up even more confused. So do you think? <laughs> so, so do you think, so, so do you think with the switch, you're never going to remap anything in that case? No, I, I mean, no, absolutely not. There. Uh, because no. I, I know a lot of people. There's, there's there's always games. There's always games that are going to need something that's that needs remapped or, or something that's going going to have you going. Oh, I wish it was this button and not that button. Right. Uh, in my case, what what made it difficult was the fact that X was pretty much accept for everything. So I would have to keep pressing triangle to like buy a potion instead of X. So. Yeah, I don't think I would ever remap anything either unless the remapping is in-game, like mm-hmm. I guess most games are. Like, the only one I've really done it for is Cuphead, just to change, like, which one was Dash and which one was, I guess, stay in place so you could shoot from in place. But I think, I don't know, I think it'd be too annoying to remap it using the Switch's settings just because then it would be specific for one game because obviously, like, Smash Brothers, let's see, customize the controller, the controls almost perfectly. But... I don't want to have to go into the menu, like, all right, let me go back to my loadout and then go back for every other game, I guess. It's easier if it's just in-game, I guess. I do wonder if they built this for people who are maybe coming from, say, Xbox or AMB or Reverse. Now that there's so many more ports, you know, like we, we mentioned Jump Force is coming, uh, Crisis is being remastered and coming to Switch, uh, World War Z is coming to Switch. Like, there's all these games that, like, I wonder if Nintendo is thinking, like, hey, um... There's a lot of people that are used to AMB being backwards. Maybe you should just give them that option so it's more of a natural fit when they switch over. It would also annoy me if the screen right, says you know press I, A, I haven't, I haven't but then that. I'm pressing B to press A. Yeah, but like if you know the button, if it's muscle memory, it doesn't matter what it says on it. Oh, no, I know. I know. I'm saying yeah. me personally, but yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I'm the same way. No, yeah, I'm sure that'd be a big difference because like, that is like the few times I played the Xbox One that we have in here yeah. for Banjo-Kazooie, it's really annoying whenever I keep pressing B because yeah. obviously B is A and A is B. Kevin, you are starting to say something, I think, right? Uh, yeah, the fact that I never thought about reversing A and B on the Switch, I might actually do that now. Yeah, I, I, could, well, I, 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 I just hate feel like that's what this was made for. And then they're like, well, if you're doing it for one button, do it for them all and let one-handed play work and do all that. But... Because like this is the honestly like the button remapping is the banner feature of version ten because they still haven't given enough, given us uh, folders they still haven't given themes which I don't necessarily know if we need but I know that's always in demand and yet I would here appreciate we are with themes. This. Themes would definitely be cool. Folders I feel we don't really need unless we had a wide diversity of software. Like right now we just have games for the most part. 
mm-hmm. like the Wii U had apps, the virtual console games, like games from different, like enough so that if you had enough N64 games, which I did at one point, I would want a dedicated N64 folder and so on and so forth, but... Theoretically, um, we sort of have folders in a weird way because if you think about your point about retro games, all the NES games are in their own app. All the Super Nintendo games are in their own app. The only thing that would kind of just keep bump into that out of my menu since I don't want to play any of them. But yeah, yeah. But and the thing that would uh, bump into that is you know like Sega Ages or Arcade Archives. Nothing they released a game for either. Um, like a month ago, a month and a half ago, I feel like we talked about in early March or late February. Really? Yeah. And there were ones that were like, why? Like, they weren't high-profile ones. They are like, weird ones. Which I thought was cool as, like, little like like little historical factoids, but not as, like, things people want to play. <laughs> um, yeah. But, yeah, I think I think folders can make sense for retro stuff that they're selling individually in the eShop. But, yeah, I don't really feel a need for it either. But then again, I don't necessarily have as many games as some people or go back to old games as much. I'm starting to now more in the quarantine times, but, you know, like... I didn't used to the um, yeah. but the interesting thing is you know we're, we're the remap was the big story the A and B buttons were the um, or not the A and B sorry the folders and themes were things people wanted but then buried in there was one perhaps slightly more interesting uh, thing in the firmware which someone found when digging through the code there's a reference to a new switch model in there called codename NXABCD very creative Nintendo just Type type out the alphabet. But what's interesting is that um, the references are to DRAM profiles for, or I guess DRAM. Do people call it DRAM? I don't know. For uh, profiles for a second screen experience of some sort on this new Switch hardware, which of course sent the internet into speculation overdrive. Um, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, maybe it's a headset, like VR, like Labo, but more elaborate, or maybe AR, because like, you know, Pokemon Go is really popular with AR, and uh, Nintendo loves doing things like Apple, so and they're doing AR, so maybe it's that. Or like, I saw a crazy thing where people are like, maybe it's a Switch DS, where it's gonna be a two-screen Switch, or maybe they'll do like a MacBook-style Touch Bar, where there's a little separate screen that can be like your inventory. Do any of those sound like anything you would want? No. Yeah, same. <laughs> Um, when you said second screen experience, like the fir- for some reason the first thing that came to mind was just the ability to, like, have a switch docked and treat another switch as a second screen, so they could do things like Nintendo yeah, Land. That's literally, that's like that. That's like that feels like that's something what I, would I would want. want if like they'd be doing by Nintendo Land, because I feel like a lot of those games we would actually still play today. I don't know if you would necessarily even need um, more like DRAM profile, like anything hardware wise to make that happen. Besides just Tell it to, well, I guess he sort of would. You just need one to spoof itself as a controller. Because, yeah, I was thinking sort of the same thing. Like, it'd be awesome but if that's Nintendo definitely came back. more powerful hardware because you're streaming the game. True. I mean, offline. But I don't True. know. Although, not really. You're just doing wireless. You're just doing uh, multiplayer with. Oh, yeah. It's like Game Boy connectivity, kind of. Because you also get, like, asymmetric games. Like, I mean, a yeah. lot of those games are asymmetric. That's the whole point. But Right, right, right. Oh, I yeah. see. You're saying with one copy of the game and two Switches, you can do it, opposed to two copies of the game. Yeah. Because, yeah, I was thinking it could be, like, like this could be kind of along those same lines. It could work as, like, when they come out with that eventual rumored, maybe, possibly, pro model. Is not just to do what you're saying, but also, like, if you wanted to play Switch and you had a cord, let's say, that you could plug into the TV, like, no dock needed, um you could theoretically do stuff like Kirby and the Rainbow Curse or uh, even Mario Maker 1 where you have the gamepad touchscreen having a 
zoomed-in view of something and your TV kind of being the reference point for the bigger thing. And then they can pour it over along with Nintendo Land for asymmetric stuff. They could pour it over these sort of actual dual-screen experiences that needed both screens, and it wouldn't be that difficult in terms of changing the UI of the Switch or anything. You just add one more way to play. But then, of course, the, the question becomes, like, how do you promote, like, a Switch duo, if you will? Because you have the Switch that goes in a dock, the Switch that wirelessly or with a wire hooks into your TV but doesn't have a dock, then the Switch that doesn't even go to your TV. And that get that can get messy. But I, I would love if they did something like that, like what you are saying with Nintendo Land or, like, this idea with Rainbow Curse. And it seems like screen mirroring of some sort is a pretty easy, like, that's a pro feature. It's one extra thing your Switch can do, show in two places at once. It's more high-end. But who knows? Mm-hmm. I'd be okay with that, though. But that does that does sort of um, segue nicely into something you want to talk about, Angel, which is um, you got the what is it called the covert dock, right? From Genki. Yeah, from Genki. And Genki this had just, a good just, track record, but it's yeah. essentially just an adapter that has a USB 3.0 port, a USB C port, and an HDMI port. And the idea is that. You can use that instead of your normal dock. You plug it into the wall, you plug your switch and the HDMI cable into it, and there you go, like you have another dock. But with the added benefit of being able to use it as a way to charge your switch, you know, like so you don't have to carry around the, this big old thing. Mm-hmm. It'd be very convenient, like when we go to Vegas, so that I don't have to take a dock, I could just take this wall adapter. And on top of that, it is it has the same specs as the huge brick that comes with like the MacBook Pros, which I normally have to take with me anywhere when I, because I do take my MacBook Pro out a lot when I'm working on animation or collaborating with other people. And it would be really nice to not have to take the big white brick and just like leave that here and take the little tinier dock. The only problem is that so far, I mean, there was a Kickstarter thing, but unfortunately it's not working as advertised. Um, Sometimes I could get it to work. Other times I'll connect it and nothing happens. And I'll just have to keep unplugging it, plugging it in. And eventually I'll get it to work. And sometimes it'll work just fine during a whole game session. But other times the image will keep coming in and out. Which can obviously be really annoying if you're playing. Yeah, which can get really annoying if you're playing, you know, any kind of online game. Which is like a big no-no. And yeah, so I contacted them. They want video. It just sounds like a big pain to just have to get video because sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. So, you know, I could plug it in, hoping to get video, and then it just happens to work. Now I have to wait. So <laughs> I, it is... it's weird. It, it's really weird hoping for it to not work. <laughs> it's like I don't understand why they could just take what I'm saying at face value because not only did I already back it, but I clearly want their product. It's not like I'm asking them to give me two. I'm I more than happy just like sending my in. I don't think that it's that they don't believe you. I think it's they can't replicate it, so they want to see what you're seeing so they could see what may be causing it. Because the way it flickers, the way it comes in and out could indicate if a driver is not working or something a certain way. I know, but I've also tried it on various things. Like, it's definitely that. I mean, can't I just send it back and they can see for themselves? Yeah, that would make more sense. (laughs) Um, So you, you have it currently as early access, right? Like, it's not officially out till May, I don't think, is it? I mean, you could buy it, but I guess just because of shipping... I mean, May is next week, but... Yeah, just because the shipping yeah, well, probably won't get yeah. it till May. Yours might be fine, but I mean, I've been reading around the comments that it's been working fine for the most part. The only thing is that the USB port, not the C one, the USB standard or whatever it's called, okay. um, is really it's like a 
perfect fit. It's almost like they measured it using a laser. Like huh. it doesn't really feel that great putting something in there because it feels like it's gonna get stuck. Yeah. Like you know what I mean? It just feels like it's it it's feels too like, like flush. No, yeah, it's like way too flush. And I have read people reporting that because you know, when things are charging they get hot and metal expands when it's heat when it's heated. Mm-hmm. Like people have gotten their USB A ports stuck in there. Oh. I mean their devices stuck in there. Yeah. And they're not able to get them out. So yeah, so there's that too. And so, and the thing is like they So I'm gonna try to see what they can do about it. Um hopefully they can at least give me another one. If it works, great. If not then I mean I don't really have any regrets. I Genki's a great company. I'm sure they'll at least replace it and hopefully they'll give me one that they tested and yeah, then that'll be that. Because yeah, I do I, like the idea of having a, my dock in the main house and then this thing plugged in here in our second living room. That way I don't have to take a setup to multiple places, but yeah. Right, and just to just to the point It's also like 70 key. bucks, just to give you an idea, so... Oh, so it's, it's like 20 some odd cheaper than the, the, the real one, so to speak. Yeah, but it also has, it's very, but it also serves multiple purposes too, so... Yeah, so it's actually a good deal. Yeah. And, and that's the thing about Genki is, uh, what I was trying to say a second ago, is that... Um, I last E3 met them on the show floor randomly, and they gave me their Bluetooth ad- audio adapter for Switch, and that thing works great. Like I've been using it for almost a year now, and it's been great. Um, so yeah, I suspect you may have gotten a lemon versus an actual problem. At least I hope so, because they they know what they're doing for the most part. It seems. Yeah, because like. I mean I've seen videos of like them demonstrating it, and like they'll plug it in, and it works almost just as fast as the regular dock. But this one in particular just takes. When it does work, it takes a more than you would expect, longer than you would expect for it to connect to the TV to the point where you're like, wait, did it work? Oh, okay, there it goes. Well, you have and, to, some, and sometimes, like, I mean, I did manage to record one thing that happened randomly, but sometimes I'll even, like, shift the screen over to, like, the right so that you get, like, this Pac-Man effect where whatever's on the very right edge of the screen is now on the left because that's just, you know, huh. it's like everything got shifted over. It wrapped. But, yeah. 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 Well, you'll have to keep us posted on, you know, what the saga and if you end up with a good one because conceptually it's really cool. Oh, yeah. I mean, if it worked perfectly fine, I would definitely recommend it to anybody. But right now, I would say wait. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, 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 we should do all our game reviews like that. You know, if the game delivered on everything it said it would, you should buy it. <laughs> that, should just be the, that should be our impressions from here on out. But well, no, it's, I'm just uh, trying to, I mean, I'm just trying to get to work as advertised. I know, I know. Like, just literally to get it to work. I know, I know. But yeah, hopefully it does for you because that would, especially since you backed it, that would kind of suck if it ended up not. But time will tell, I guess. Keep us posted. I mean, ARMS technically delivered on everything it said it would. That's but, true. And yeah. what it delivered on wasn't necessarily the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess before we get to our final game, Kevin, are there any other games you've been playing you want to talk about? Uh, I've actually started to replay a little bit of Overwatch. Oh, how's that going? Uh, it's going okay right now. It, it, it's going pretty good. I'm I'm having fun. I don't rage as much as I used to. <laughs> uh, so, so, last time you came back oh, to it, like when, how long have you been out of it? Because the last time I kept up with Overwatch, I mean, I haven't, obviously don't play it, but I loved seeing all the new characters that they would come out, and the last person I saw was, I think it was Brig- Brigetti? Brigette? It's like Bri- Brigida. <laughs> Brigida, alright, there you go. Yeah, the daughter of Tor- yeah. Torbjorn. I think it's Torbjorn. No, uh, yeah, yeah, no, you're right. Every yeah. character like uh, definitely always should, like add something or maybe even change the meta. So I'm kind of curious what it's like now for you versus when it came. Well, yeah, what it's like for you now versus when you were last played. 
So I stopped playing when the meta was was a heavy. Uh, what, what was the meta called? Dive? I think it was called goats. Goats. No, dive was was one of the first metas, but then goats was what took um, pretty much the game and just sucked the fun out of everything. Uh-huh. It even made me stop watching Overwatch League. Is that what because did dive? Do you feel did that or that was at least tolerable? I'm sorry. Did dive do the same thing back in the day, or not really? No, dive 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 was tolerable, but goats goats pretty much dealt uh, descended into into whoever messes up first pretty much loses. Mm. Uh, while dive, you you always had had a chance of, of coming back, and goats was so boring. But uh, so, so not the greatest so, of all time. Not greatest of all time. No, I think it, I think goats stood for go all tanks or so, or something like that. I'm I'm actually hmm. not too sure because, like I said, that's when I stopped right, playing. Right. But coming back to it, so last time that I was really into the competitive scene was maybe around season twelve, and the season is now on twenty. Oh jeez! Wow, so it's been a while then. So they added a uh, roll queuing. So before, before you were able to pick, pick however many tanks you want, however much damage, or however many healers. Now you can't do that. Now you are now before you go into a competitive match and even a quick play match, you can choose which role you want to possibly be put into. So if you want to uh, go all three, you'll choose all three, but then the you might. Even if you pick, uh, we'll say, we'll say uh, damage, you might be stuck with a healing, with a healing character, and you can't switch out of that role either. You can switch characters within that role, but not outside of them. So, if let's say your tanks or your damage dealers suck, mm-hmm. that well, it's pretty much game over. You you can't step up to the plate and become a, a damage dealer yourself. Hmm. Uh, aside from that, they they recently started doing. Uh, Ban weekly bans on characters, and la- last time I played it was on Thursday. Uh, somebody said that the way that they're doing that is that the, uh, Blizzard is actually taking the characters that are being used the most of uh, the previous week and then banning them the following oh, week. That's kind of cool. That's kind of like what Nintendo does. <laughs> I would love to see that in Smash Brothers. But that's what Nintendo does. With oh, Splatoon. is that what they're doing? Splatoon oh, not that I would love to see. I would love to see that in Smash. But... Oh, they'll never do it in Smash. But it's definitely how Nintendo approaches Splatoon modes, where every two hours, I mean, similar concept. Every two hours they rotate the mode, so you can't just pick your favorite mode and play. We were talking about this a little last episode, if I remember correctly. But you have to like learn every mode. So this is kind of Blizzard's equivalent to be able to learn every character, or at least not lean too heavily on a popular one, which is interesting. Yeah. So so right now the the ones banned this week are Orissa, who's a tank. And then I forgot who the... Oh, they recently uh, released a brand new character, the, the game's 30-second character, which apparently Jeff Kaplan said was probably the last new character that they would release until Overwatch 2, which Overwatch 2 is not coming out for, like, another two years, I feel like, so I have no idea why they would even go ahead and say that. Yeah, that's that's but, not good marketing for your current ecosystem of Overwatch. Yeah, but but Echo is a, is a damage dealer. Uh, she's... She looks like if you gave Eve from Wally like a real body. Oh, I've seen pictures of her. Yeah. So is that that robot that came yeah. out at the end of Ash's video? Yes. Mm-hmm. Is that like McCree's girlfriend or something? 
uh, I, I believe I the leader of the gang that McCree was associated with. Uh, it seemed like there but, was some, anyways, something romantic going on between them. I don't know. Yeah, uh, she she's cool. She can float. Well, that's one of her. That's one of her kit utilizations. She can throw these like sticky grenades, and the. I don't want to say she's overpowered because she has she has like a low health pool, but she has this beam that does uh, an insane amount of damage if you're under 50% health. So she will just melt all the smaller characters and she could quickly destroy even the bigger characters. Uh, but she's banned this week. I don't know why they would ban her the first week that she's released. <laughs> yeah, that's a little but weird. But it is what it is. And then a couple of other healers are banned. Mainly uh, Matthew's uh, main healer, Moira, she's banned. I Oh, that's the know, lady I'm, with, I'm the, having... with like, the purple and yellow. Like, one hand is good. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like one, one hand is healing and then one hand is draining. Yeah. yeah but I, I'm, having, I'm having a great time. I, I restarted playing that with uh, your brother, Angel. Mm. Uh, Matthew, another friend of the show, and uh, another mutual friend of ours. And I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm, uh, there's still some toxic players out there, it's True in every game. but, but <laughs> I, I've, I've stopped responding to them as much as I want to, to just like yell and curse at them <laughs> talking about how much they suck because they're terrible Genjis. It's always the Genji players. It's always the, <laughs> that. No, I'm not, I'm not getting into it. Is it always the Genji but, uh, player? Elvis is a oh, Genji player. Yeah. It's not like Elvis uh, never trash talks Kevin. So it makes sense. <laughs> They're usually on the same team, though. Yeah, that's. Well, I guess you could trash talk that's to your teammates, but yeah. Yeah, but. Ask me uh, in life, man. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's. I've been playing a little bit of that. Uh, doing. I've, I've restarted playing Rocket League. You know what's funny? We just, on Wednesday, well. Angel and I played Rocket League. Or no, I was going to, but I had to wait for like an hour of updates, so Angel played. <laughs> yeah, so I started replaying Rocket League. I bought the, the Rocket Pass. Because I really liked how cool those cars looked. Uh, we should play. I, I don't know. I don't know why I haven't brought this uh, brought, brought it up Let's to you. Let's play, and then we'll then we'll talk about, about it a little next episode. Nigel loved it. I mean, I suck at it. I mean, when I played them this Wednesday, I think our scores were like ten to one and like twelve to mm -hmm. one. But mm -hmm. but I didn't score until like the last like twenty seconds of the game. So like his reactions right. were definitely like like he lost the game, which made me feel like I won, mm -hmm. even though I was like horribly. I mean, you can imagine Nigel like yelling but yeah and it, it was great because yeah. i was sitting there watching my one hour update install because i haven't played in so long and all i heard was they're talking about it like on our discord or whatever we were using mm -hmm. so all i heard was what sounded like angel winning the game except he was still down by nine <laughs> so i didn't really understand how that worked <laughs> but um yeah, yeah we should all play it and then talk about it next episode yeah so so yeah i've been playing a little bit of that and thank god for for cross play um, nothing else that I can really think of. Oh, I I restarted playing Return of the Oberdin. Mm. Oh, I should make the make sure make the claim that this is all on PC. I'm not playing right. I'm not playing Although, on Switch, but these are all yeah, available on Switch. They're all on Switch so. as well. Yeah. Yeah. So replayed a little bit of uh, Return of the Oberdin because uh, I was streaming uh, to my coworkers whenever they're bored at work. I'll I'll stream a little bit for mm -hmm. them. Uh, I got a little bit more farther than I did before, but only by like 30 minutes. So I was impressed with that. 
But aside from that, yeah, that's all I've been playing. Mainly Final Fantasy VII's been the, the time mainly sink. been taking yeah. my time. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, well, that that see, that's kind of nice thing. Is like, and we I was saying this last episode, and we're gonna probably do it next episode of Rocket League now. But it is kind of nice to, with all this extra time, be able to revisit old games. Like the quarantine times have made it possible to go dig up old games like Rocket League, like uh, you know the ones that had the updates. Obviously, had a big help, like Mario Maker. Um, but also, like our last game of the episode, the excellently named. Ding Dong XL, (laughs) (laughs) which Angel and I both own, and we played when it first came out. Or he played my copy, I think, like a year ago. I didn't own it until recently. Oh well, it became because now it's like nine cents. Yeah, it was, which basically means free because almost everybody (laughs) has enough gold coins to make it free. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, Angel, you've been playing it obsessively lately. So how how's your experience been with it? Because I haven't played it in like about a year. I mean. It's just an incredibly simple game. It's like a mix between Frogger and Pong. Because mm-hmm. you're just trying to, you know, pass the traffic of geometric shapes. Oh, I guess in Geometry Wars. You're just going from the top of the screen to the bottom of the screen. If you don't move, if you go, if you don't move long enough, you'll grow so big that you'll, like, touch the border and you die. So you have to move at one point. Not to mention getting bigger makes it a lot more dangerous to cross the screen. But you just go back and forth. Every time you go... Every time you move across the screen, you get a point. And our good friend Nigel, he told us about the sale. And he's, and so I got it. And then I played it. And I got like 127 on my first try. And I think his record at the time was like 133. And then I got 135. And then he went back and he got like 136. Then I got like 150. Then he got like one. He always beats my scores by one point. <laughs> and it got to the point where recently, like I think I got like 200. And then he got like 230 something i forgot what it was and yeah 235 and then i got 234 so he's ahead by one right now and then we looked at the leaderboards and we're like in the top 40 which is kind of nuts i've never been everyone like that high of like a worldwide leaderboard which you know i don't know how big the pool is but so proud of that but at this rate yeah but at this rate i feel like we're probably gonna reach like the number one and two spot just because I mean, it goes by quickly, but, oh, God, it, it could get really frustrating. I mean, especially when you, and nerve-wracking, when you get, like, towards the end, you start to choke up. It's like, oh, man, I need to go through two. But it also has this mechanic where if you barely skim one of the shapes without hitting them, you'll get an additional point. So sometimes you'll want to go for those, but then, obviously, you could die and just ruin your whole run. And there are also power-ups that, you know, slow down time to give you more points, destroy everything in there to buy you some time to get more points. They're pretty much just there to get you more points. On average, like, six points. But, I don't know. I don't really see any reason for anyone not to get it. It's, like, surprisingly addicting. Yeah, it's And there's, like, like some unlockable skins. There's even an infinite mode that's way different from the solo mode that we haven't really delved into. Maybe once we take over this mode. Don't forget so, there's yeah. also um, dual mode. Because you and I, when you played my copy a year ago when we first got that's how we did it. Where two, either two people play on two different Joy-Cons and there's two balls going back and forth. Or you, as one player, try and control the two balls with the op- with the two Joy-Cons at once and have to juggle yeah. everything he it, said, it much but plays, double. Yeah, it plays the same as the other one. The only thing that makes it tougher is that they're, like, about, like, two arbitrary inches apart. Yeah. So that makes the timing on them... The timing will be a little different on them. Obviously, like, you might have to hit one sooner than the other. But then after, like, a couple seconds, they actually start to shift back and forth 
like left and right, like on their own little sliders. So mm-hmm. they're, yeah, they aren't in a fixed location. Like they actually do move in the dual mode, which makes it even harder. It's it, so. it playing it solos. It's it's nuts. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, um, you're also earning points twice as fast technically. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But what and that's what's kind of cool about this. Like considering everything we just said. Like I mean, the game ultimately is a is a score attack game in its purest form, in its like simplest form. But like everything we just rattled off, that's normally only a dollar, and now it's down to nine cents. And like it's totally like it's totally worth it. There's actually like some depth to something so simple because it has unlocks and it has the you know the the dual mode and the infinite mode and all that. Like it's I can't think it's of any reason Ding not Dong to Excel. buy it. And even if you're thinking like, well, what's that name mean? Well, one side, when you hit one screen, it goes ding. When you hit the other side of the screen with the ball, it goes dong. And it's on a TV for the first time. So ding dong XL. It's nothing It's nothing inappropriate. It's totally fine. Buy it. <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, it's a simple game, so there's yeah. obviously too much to say. Oh, yeah, it. yeah. But it's yeah, for not, it's made by one guy, just like one, one person. Um, which, and, you know, it's simple enough that it kind of makes sense. But yeah, I guess, unless there's anything else, I think ding dong XL is as great a place to end it as anything else. Yep. Like, really, how do you top saying Ding Dong XL repeatedly? You don't. So we just walk away. We just mic drop it. So um, I guess with that, we'll be back in two weeks' time on May 10th. That is Mother's Day, by the way, um, with what we're playing, the latest news. Uh, we're going to have numbers and potential announcements from Nintendo's delayed end of fiscal year briefing. Um, sounds like we're going to be talking about Rocket League, among other things, revisiting that. So, um, yeah, I mean, we'll really get to know. The, the real thing next episode is we get to know in actual quantifiable terms, just how much Animal Crossing has taken over the world, because we're going to get some real hard numbers from Nintendo on that one. Uh, anyone want to put in any guesses of how many copies you think it sold based on what we know from this episode, digital and physical combined? I'm going to guess, like, between 7 and 8 million. At least four. Well, I already exceeded four, so you're, you're, you already got it right. Well, at least six copies. At least six, all right. Well, I could actually count on one hand more than six people I know who have it. Wait, I can't count on one hand because I only have five fingers. So I need <laughs> wow. two hands. <laughs> wow. Okay. To that, you. you need a break. That, that is, yeah, it is hot in LA today. Um, so yeah, that does it for this episode. We'll be back in two weeks time. Um, to make sure you don't miss it, as always, you can follow and subscribe on um, the podcast apps. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, t- uh, Stitcher, Pandora, TuneIn, um, you name it, we're there. We're, at, we're on YouTube. Ram Nintendo Com is our channel. We're on Twitter at Ram Nintendo. You can follow us individually on Twitter to see how we're faring in the heat. Uh, I am at JSR Seven. Angel is Wero W E I R O underscore O, and Kevin is KVN Gomez. And as always, Kevin, final word. Practice social distancing, please.